It's Locked On Giants Live with Trina, Tana, and hopefully Dog as we get you ready for training camp and get caught up on all things New York Giants. That's coming your way next on the Locked On Giants podcast. You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. And welcome, everybody, to Locked On Giants Live. You got Trina and Tana, and in a little bit, we're going to have dogs. So the three musketeers are back for the first time in God knows how long, but I'm excited. Training camp's getting ready. I got uh, my two home guys here there to talk about Giants football. We've got you guys and gals out there in the audience. So thank you for taking part of your night to join us. Tana, what's good, my man? I'm, ha- I'm happy to be back talking Giants with you. We're getting a lot closer um, to actually being out of the nonsense season. We're starting to get some things to talk about. Obviously, the big news dropped this week about Saquon Barkley. I'm sure that'll be at least a large portion of what we talk about tonight. Training camp's coming up. Um, I'm just happy to be here. I'm happy that football is, I don't know what, less like 50 days away. It's crazy. It's gotten here so quick. So really excited for this upcoming season. As am I. And we're going to have a lot to talk about for sure. And again, folks, Dog will be in here a little later. Those of you watching on YouTube, um, we'll just do a switch over for the screen so we can fit him in as always. He's always welcome. But before we do anything, I, I, I got to say this, Tana, I, I've got to tell you this because it just brings a smile to my face. Every time I see it, yeah. your reaction video <laughs> dog <laughs> for the, the first three draft picks, whenever <laughs> I'm having a lousy day or I need to pick me up. I just love that video, man. That, that that's, I, that's classic. Yeah, how could I not be excited on draft night? Those are I the, loved it. Those are I the guys I wanted. It. So I mean, you can't beat. You couldn't beat our draft. At least everybody's usually always happy on draft night. So we'll see how we feel in two or three years. But the instant reaction, yeah, felt great. Uh, can't wait to see how these rookies perform this year. And um, yeah, hopefully we have a lot of happy moments this year. Last year was a lot of fun. Hopefully this year is even more fun. Yes, absolutely. All right. We've got a lot to talk about, and uh, Kelly, yeah, we do have to touch on Saquon, sorry, but hopefully we won't be spending the whole show on Saquon. I don't think we will, but we do have to talk about that. We will take your questions um, probably after the first commercial break in about 45 minutes to an hour, so hopefully you guys and gals will stick around with us, and you know, Chris, we've got to start off, obviously, with the Saquon news. I mean... You and I both were talking both on Twitter and in DMs. We were both confident it would get done. It didn't get done. It came out that there was a difference of about $2 million And a lot of people were like, why didn't the Giants just, you know, give in and give Saquon the $2 million? I think, you know, for Joe Shane to just draw a line in the sand and say, okay, look, this is my price point. I'm not going beyond it. That's responsible cap management. Now, I know people will say, Oh, it looks like, you know, he's cheap. You know, they don't want Saquon. They don't value him. But I go back now to that interview that Saquon did. Um, what was that podcast? The Money Matters podcast. Yeah. And this is what I suspected all along. And I, I wrote this. I also talked about it on my show that Saquon and the Giants didn't see eye to eye as to 
what exactly his role was and what kind of player he was. So that being said, Chris, I mean, what are your thoughts with how this all played out? And do you think this is the beginning of the end for the Giants and Saquon? I do. Um, I think this is probably Saquon's last year as a Giant. Maybe I'll be wrong. Uh, maybe maybe they'll tag him again. Um, but you you got to think that if they weren't willing to extend him this year, why would they extend him next year, a year older? He could run for 1,600 yards this year, have a great year. He's still a year older. He's a year closer to that expected cliff. And, you know, that running backs fall off of. So could I see the Giants tagging him again? Perhaps if he has a really good year this year and stays healthy. But I think it's – and I could even see Barkley forcing a trade um, after this year if the Giants were to tag him again. I, I think things are going to get messy. But it is what it is. I thought a deal was going to get done, uh, especially uh, when I started to hear the numbers that Joe Shane was willing to go to. We heard – I think it was from Dunleavy. And like you said to me on Twitter – sometimes the wording isn't necessarily what you want to go by because there's different types of guaranteed money. But when I heard 22 guaranteed, I was like, if you're Saquon, how do you turn that deal down? You have no leverage at this point. And I understand he was worth more than that. Had he hit the open market, he didn't, though. You have to realize the situation you're in. There, He, he was not going to hit the open market. If he got $22 million guaranteed, I think he was silly to turn it down. That's two franchise tags guaranteed you're a running back in a declining market. I understand he thinks he's worth more than that. But in the situation that he was in, he was kind of between a rock and hard place. So if that is accurate, if that is true, I am surprised uh, that Saquon Barkley and his representation as the clock came to you know to zero didn't accept that deal. Again, I don't know all the specifics, but if Shane was willing to go there, I thought it was kind of a meet-in-the-middle type deal. He wasn't overcommitting to Saquon, but he was giving him – a good enough commitment in the situation he was in that I think Saquon should have taken it. It is what it is. Uh, Short term. Do I think it hurts the giants? Yeah, I do. If Saquon holds out this year and does not play, because I don't think we have a team equipped to would you know, have a great running game because of our offensive line currently. But I think Shane was looking at it long-term and saying to himself in a year or two, we're going to build up this offensive line. We'll be able to manufacture a ground game and I'm not going to damage my future to appease to him in the present, uh, even though we know that we need him in 2023. So I understand it from Shane's perspective. It's a tough decision, but that's what he gets paid to do. Yeah, absolutely. And and do you think, I mean, Saquon talked about possibly sitting out. I don't think he does it. I, 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 really, I mean, still- training camp, yes, I could see that being the case, but I would be absolutely shocked if he sits out the season. Now, I posted an article over on Giants Country, Shady McCoy, um, suggesting and JC, it's funny. JC Treader, I think, also dropped this hint as well. In general, that okay, you come in and oh, all of a sudden my back hurts or my hamstring hurts and I can't play. I'm sorry, I don't see Saquon doing that. Saquon, you know, I'd like to think is a high character guy. Mm-hmm. You start pulling that that garbage. I mean, look at where it got Kadarius Tony. Yeah. Uh, so I don't see that happening right now. There's really no leverage. I mean, the only thing that I think Saquon can negotiate at this point, maybe he gets a little bit more to the one-year franchise tag as far as, you know, raising it from 10.1 to about 11 million, which is what I believe the APY was for the, the Giants contract offer. And then maybe include a clause that says, we won't tag you again. That's yeah. what I think is going to happen. Really? That's what I think is going to happen. Interesting. 
I just I just hope I just hope that he shows up week one and he's ready to go. I, I think what, what we've heard, I kind of expected this. If they didn't work out a deal, he's not going to show up to training camp because he's not going to risk injury. He's got a lot on the line, right? Um, if he gets hurt this year, he's worth nothing. I mean, not, I'm not going to say nothing, but he's not worth near what he is now if he gets hurt. So he's going to try to limit the possibility of that. But when push comes to shove, $600,000 a week. I don't see him I don't either. that kind of money, regardless of the amount of money he has in the bank already. And, you know, not for nothing, but this whole argument that, oh, he's going to stay away so he doesn't get hurt in training camp. You got to remember something. The snaps in training camp are controlled. Yeah. Chances are Saquon wouldn't have played in the preseason games anyway. Maybe yeah. a snap here and there. But for the most part, I didn't think he was yeah, going to play in the preseason so. game if anyway. I, if I recall, so, he didn't play last year in preseason. No, I, I don't believe he did either. So this whole argument about getting hurt. And here's the other thing. Now they've got the GPS data. They can dial back the snaps. They can They can – monitor that now you know Saquon comes in maybe later in the summer and he's been working his butt off you know which which he does he's a hard worker but where exactly is it do you have that GPS data to say okay where exactly do we start him off so it's it kind of you know mucks up the whole picture I think with getting him ready for week one so that's why I think there was the reports that he might not be ready for week one and, you know, we'll have to see how that, that works out. But I just don't see Saquon leaving, you know, almost $600,000 per week on the table. Yeah, I, 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 just I don't. agree with you. And that's what I think, too, right now. But I didn't see him leaving $22 million guaranteed on the table either in the situation that he was in. And he did. So I, I, I hope we're right because I, I think we do need him this year. And I hope he's ready to go week number one against the Dallas Cowboys. I'll never say never. Um I, I think if he's thinking rationally, he's going to do exactly what we just said. He's going to play week number one, but people do silly things. I think it'd be a mistake on his part. I don't think it's going to help his leverage at all. If anything, everybody's saying that if he holds out, it, you know, oh, he may show how much he means to the team. Well, let's think about it from the other side. What if he holds out week number one against Dallas and Daniel Jones looks really good and the Giants win? <laughs> so, you know, I'm just saying it's a possibility. So if you're Saquon, Take the money, take your $10 million, go out there this year, perform, um, and either force the Giants to tag you again and make your $12 million guaranteed or let them, you know, then you hit free agency if they don't tag you, if they're not, they're not willing to sign you and you get to see what you're worth on the open market. I mean, for what it's worth, Shady said in, in that clip that, you know, I wrote about that, you know, the Giants have a better chance of winning with Saquon in the lineup against Dallas and I looked it up. They're 0-8 with Saquon in the lineup against Dallas. Yeah. That being said, you want him on the field. I'm not trying to say, you know, you don't want him on the field. But you know what? There is one thing that Saquon said in that Money Money Matters podcast that gives me hope that, you know, cooler heads will prevail when the time comes. And he said, look, at the end of the day, and I'm paraphrasing here, at the end of the day, I want to win a championship in New York. And that trumps anything with the money. So that's why I remain optimistic that cooler heads will prevail, you know, for what it's worth. And I'm not obviously privy to what advice Saquon got, but you know, he turned down a deal that was reportedly worth 14 million. He turned down a bi-week deal that was reportedly worth, I think 12.5 million. And now he's got, he, he lost, he cost himself money. 
yeah. based on the advice that his agents might have given him. And, you know, they he added CAA, and that was unusual. You very rarely see a player represented by two different agents or two different agencies, excuse me. So mm-hmm. that was a bit unusual, but here we are. Dog just entered the, uh, is in the background. So let me just get him up and running. Just bear with me a second, guys. I just got to switch stuff around. But Chris, go ahead if you want to weigh in on that. No, I, well, you brought up the switching of the agency and adding the uh, second agency. I, that, when he did that, I was like, I thought they were going to, I thought that was even more of a sign that they were going to get a deal done. Cause I thought back to the Daniel Jones thing, not that he added a second agency, but he made a change in his representation like five days, six days, whatever it was before he signed the deal. I'm like, okay. To me, this is kind of a sign that Saquon's knows he needs to change course, and they're going to get this done, and still didn't get done. But bad dog, we'll dog we're going to what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Long time, dog. Long time, man. Uh, it has been a long time. I had, uh, I had, um, boy, I've had some car trouble, and uh, that's what it was. That's the delay. So that's it's okay. Yeah, I yeah. have it. We had to replace the catalytic converter, which if anybody's ever had to replace one of those, knows it's one of the most expensive parts in the car. So say ah. you don't want to sign the tag, I could use a couple grand. Dog, <laughs> you're going to be interested in one of the sponsors for tonight's show because that's applicable. eBay Motors is one of our sponsors for tonight, <laughs> and they're running a special. So that's that commercial break's going to be coming up yeah, a little was, later on. So, I wasn't uh, expecting that. So that was, that was the delay today. But uh, All right. No worries. You're here now. Here now. We're talking Saquon. Dog, give us your thoughts on uh, – uh, just real quickly, you know, we, we were talking about the, the lack of the deal getting done. Just give us your thoughts on on uh, where things are with or, or what you think, you know, the Saquon thing happened, you know, the whole – how it played out. So you, you – we hear all these rumors about what he was offered, how much a contract was. Does does anybody really know, Patty? Like, I, I've heard $12.5 million all the way up to $14 million. I heard that there was problems with the guaranteed money, but were there, were there incentives in it? Were there clauses in it? Was What was the contract? What did it look like? Does anybody really know? Obviously, they couldn't come to an agreement. I think that, and I've made a couple of videos on this. I made one today, as a matter of fact. I think Saquon Barkley's agent overestimated the running back market. But I just feel like that's what it is. In any market, uh-oh, Chris, I guess we talk. Right, keep, keep talking. Keep talking. Oh, am I frozen? No, no, you're good. I don't know where Patty went. Um, we took over a channel again. We took it over. Uh, but no, so, um, you know, supply and demand drives any market. And if there's a high supply and a, and a low demand, then the value drops and vice versa. If there's a high demand and a low supply, the price increases. It's true with anything in this world. Yeah. Running back markets dried up. This day and age, it looks like running backs are getting pounded for the five years that they're there, and then they kind of move on. The last 10 Super Bowl champions, none of their running backs made more than $2.5 million. The NFL has gone in a different direction. So I want Saquon Barkley to come back here. I don't, I don't want him to not be here. But everybody that you know is mad about the fact he's not – didn't sign a long-term deal and may hold out, Brings up the Daniel Jones contract. Well, that goes to the point that I just made. Spine the man. How often? You're muted, though. Muted. Can't hear you. I'm. I'm gonna. Well, she's trying to work that out. I'm Can you hear me it. now? Yes. You're good. You're good. You're good. Yeah. Like yeah, I was saying. saying. I apologize, folks. My microphone That's... got unplugged, so I had to back out and come back in. So sorry. No problem. About that. No problem. Um. 
But like I was saying, with Daniel Jones, people are mad. Oh, you overpaid Daniel Jones. You overpaid Daniel Jones. But that speaks to my fact. Supply and demand. How many franchise quarterbacks are out there? People can say he's not a franchise quarterback. Okay, that's your opinion. But I've said this like in the video today. How many – how hard has it been for the Bears to find a quarterback? How about the Jets? What have the the Jets done? In the last 14 years, they've drafted three quarterbacks in the top five, and none of them are there anymore. Wilson's there, I guess, but he's not. They went out and got Aaron Rodgers. So – the Jets can't do it. The Bears can't do it. A lot of teams can't get a franchise quarterback. So people can say whatever they want about Daniel Jones. I think in two years he's going to be in the middle of pack, lower third, because every year cap goes up, contracts go up. But Daniel Jones got paid where he got paid. Jalen Hurts got paid where he got paid because the supply of a franchise quarterback or a starting quarterback in the NFL anyway is the demand is great. The supply is low. The running backs yeah. are completely reverse. So you, hit it, you, you, you hit it on the head, man, dog. You hit it on the head. And, 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 I, and I made a comparison. Like, I made it to, like, real-life terms. Like, you know, everyday live jobs. Like, a quarterback is like a doctor, where a running back is kind of like a construction worker. You can't find doctors easily. That's why they make a lot of money. You have to go to school for years. Supply and demand. Construction workers, as great as Saquon Barkley is, can you replace Saquon Barkley with one player? No. But history has shown you in the NFL – if you build an offensive line, you can have a great running game with average running backs. It's supply and demand. There's no such thing as a quarterback by committee. There's no such thing as a left tackle by committee. There's wow. no such thing as a CB one by committee, a wide receiver one by committee. There's a running back one by committee because you can manufacture a ground game with average to even slightly below average running backs. Look at Isaiah Pacheco last year. That's so sad, the- yeah. Jeeves. Yeah. When you have a good all-around roster, and I think Shane was not thinking just about this year. He's thinking about the next two or three and the way that he is envisioning building his football team. And as much as I love Saquon, and as much as I was hoping they would find a deal in the middle, which for me was like a two-year guaranteed worth of money where you could easily get out after that. That was (laughs) what I thought was a reasonable deal for both sides. It didn't happen. Long-term, I would have done exactly what Joe Shane did. So even though Saquon's my favorite player – I can't bitch and moan about it because long term, I think he made the right decision. Yeah, and and to your to your point, Chris, I think when Dave Gettleman was here, the vision was the offense is going to flow through Saquon Barkley. Now they're moving away from that. Saquon is still going to be a big part of this offense. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but it's not necessarily going to flow through him. They've added, you know, Waller. They've added Hyatt. They've added, you know, Paris Campbell. They brought back Slayton Hodgins. They're going to – it's not going to be the Saquon Barkley show. It's not going to be like it was a few years ago when it was the Odell Beckham Jr. show. The Giants are moving away from that, and and I say it's high time. No disrespect to Saquon. Saquon's an amazing player. He can carry an offense if you ask him to, but that's not the way to go because if, God forbid, he's missing or, you know, we saw last year teams figured out how to shut him down, then what do you do? You need versatility. You, you need to be uh, versatile as an offense. You need to have different guys who can step in if you know Plan A is blocked. So I like the thinking here by the Giants. Yeah, look and look at what else. Dalvin Cook got released. Dalvin Cook is no bum. He's twenty seven years old. One of the best running backs in the league. They released him. Ezekiel Elliott, his best years maybe behind him. They released him. Uh, Josh Jacobs had sixteen hundred rushing yards last year. Franchise tag. Tony Pollard, great year, franchise tag. This is nothing out of the ordinary what the Giants did with Saquon Barkley. And unfortunately for Saquon, he has no leverage. 
You, no. you, you, I, I think he's playing. I, I think he's going to hold out the entire preseason training camp exhibition games. I don't blame him. I think week one, he's signing the tag because what, what, do, number one, $10 million is a lot of money. I don't care who you are. He doesn't play. He loses $10 million. Who the hell wants to do that? Number two, he sits out for a year. He's a year older. Yep. And the running back market ain't going to go up for a guy that just sat out a year when there's always a fresh crop of running backs coming in from college and cost way less. He's not going to do himself any favors. If he plays in the tag and he blows up, the one bad thing that could happen to him is the Giants could tag him again. That's the that's the one. And, that's, that's another and from his perspective, if he gets right. injured next year, guess what? He's not getting any kind of offer. Exactly. That's why you know, he's going to end up costing himself even further. So he is taking a huge, huge gamble because, look, great. He stayed healthy all last year, although he did have the shoulder issue, but he didn't miss any games due to injury. What are the odds, given that the, the pounding that position takes, of that happening again? Yeah, and the other thing is, Patty, when, when um, he had that game against the Texans where they gave him the ball like 37 times, he, he had a massive workload in that game. Yeah. And people noticed after that he kind of fell off a little bit, mm. like he got worn down. And, you know, there's an extra game now that they play. They play 17 games now, not 16. So there's another game of pounding because they're not playing in the preseason anyway. So it doesn't matter how many preseason games they play. So he gets an extra game of, of pounding. So the running back position just – and most of those running backs, you got the freaks like Adrian Peterson who never age. Some guys do even better when they get in their late 20s. But most of the time, the running back's prime is right out of college. Those first five years, the, the time for the 21 to the time they're 26, that's usually their prime. And then maybe they kind of even out. And then about 29, 30, they, they start to decline a little bit, depending. I mean, Barkley keeps himself in great shape. Yeah. We know that. The guy's a physical – he's a freak. I mean, he's a specimen. There's no question about it. But um, it does. It, it sucks that they couldn't come to it. I blame his agent for that. I don't think Absolutely. Saquon is. I don't think Saquon's the type of guy that's like, I need an extra million. I think that that's the agent. Like when I just came in, I heard Chris talking about how he changed up the group and everything else. And when he did that, I thought maybe they're going to get something done. That's but, what I thought too. Yeah, so. But you know, just just a couple of quick points though. You know, you mentioned that the uh, what did he have like thirty five carries in the, the, the after the buy. Which, by the way, if you go back and you, I don't know if you saw that Money Matters podcast, but he was talking about how during the bye week, I think it was, he had conversations and the Giants gave him his, you know, his comparison. By the way, Patty, yeah. and I know where you're going with this. Yeah. I was thinking as he said that, what two running backs, I'm, I'm going to throw out my guess and then I want to get your guess. What two running backs do you think the Giants said, this is your type of running back? Because he seemed Maybe. like he's good. I think Maybe. my guess is this. Chubb and Dalvin Cook. Those were the two names that came to my mind. When Who was he, the first one, Chris? What? Who was the first one? Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb yes. and Dalvin Cook. Yes, I agree with you. That's what came to my mind as well. And here's the other thing, you know, then, and to prove their point, it's, it's funny. I don't know if this was done intentionally or what, but to prove the point, if you remember, they were playing the Texans who mm -hmm. had a crappy pass defense. I mean, if the Giants were going to open up the passing offense – that would have been a game to do it. And what did they do? They ran the ball down the Texans' throats just to maybe, I don't know, prove – and again, I don't know if that was done intentionally or a coincidence, but it kind of proved the point because that was the highest number of carries Saquon had, which I found interesting. And not for nothing, but, you know, while we can probably agree Saquon can do everything, 
this year, I always got the impression listening to the coaches and reading in between the lines that they were going to maybe scale him back a little bit to keep him fresh so that he doesn't have to take 80 plus percent of the snaps, whether that meant taking away the the third down blocking duties or whatever the case may be, they were going to maybe scale it back a little bit. Yeah. So I wonder if that factored into the equation. It goes back to what you were saying about, you know, now you don't really have to have a bell cow. If you have a good offensive line, you can have a running back by committee and manufacture a running game. That was one long time he's doing. In one of my uh, videos, I mentioned uh, that real quick, Chris. Just, I said, would you rather put all the money into one position in the running back or would you rather put it into the five guys in front of the running back? I mean, me personally, I'd <laughs> I'd rather put it into the five guys in front of the running back. You got Andrew Thomas coming in. By the way, Miles Sanders, they made a Super Bowl. Miles Sanders ain't an Eagle anymore. They didn't pay him. Yeah. There's another There's another guy. And the Eagles are a good example of what a good offensive line can do. Not that Miles Sanders is a bad running back. He's not Saquon Barkley. But he was his backup in college. Right. So, <laughs> you, like Patty said, you win with an all-around team. You can't focus on one position. Especially the running back position, and, and being an old school guy, I love the running back. I grew up, you know, watching Barry Sanders. I saw, I saw Walter Payton play, you know. Um, so Eric Dickerson, like I'm not mentioning that guy from Dallas because he's overrated, and Tiki Barber's better. And I'm going to keep saying it, Cowboy fans, because Tiki Barber is better, <laughs> and Tiki belongs in the Hall of Fame. And I hope Carl Banks gets in the Hall of Fame. It's about time yeah. Carl Banks got recognized. Yes, agree. That he's a absolutely Jack well, look Jack Coughlin, by the way. Coughlin belongs there too. Yes. Well, you know what? Selfishly speaking, I'd like to see Coughlin and Eli going together. That. Yeah, with Eli. It makes you sense. Know, I I think that would just be really, yeah. really special if the two of them could go in together. Yeah. I I did just show up my thoughts on that. I sympathize with Saquon too, though. I don't want anybody to be like, I don't understand where Saquon was coming from. Because yes, he got screwed, but it's not the Giants who screwed him. It's the NFL. It's the way it's the franchise tag. I can't blame the Giants for playing by the rules. Business. And doing what every other team does. That's what a good business, a good organization And, and also, you know, to a degree, you question what kind of advice he got from his agent. Yeah. Did she maybe overestimate the market? By, by again, I don't know what the structure of the contract is. So I'm reluctant to really, yeah. you know, criticize her heavily because I don't have that detail. We know, but, Patty, though, what, at least like what the money was over. Because like I said, I heard 12 and a half. I heard all the way up to 14. We money. never found out what the guaranteed was. Uh, okay. But what did the guaranteed they guaranteed had to be at least the equivalent of this Two year's tags. franchise tag and next year's. Like 22 million? Is that what? But if you go yeah. and you see this, this is what I didn't understand. You go and you look at what Daniel got and what Dexter got in their contracts. They got the sum of the two franchise tags. Plus, I think about 5% over or something like that. Forget the percentage. Yeah. That's what I thought would, would get it done with Saquon. So I had projected uh, for, for guaranteed money, I had projected, I think, somewhere between 26 and 27.5. So I was kind of surprised when this last offer came came out to just, you know, reportedly 22, I think it was 22 million, which is not that much more than what Bijan Robinson, a rookie, is getting on his entire contract. His entire contract, of course, guaranteed. So I was a little surprised with the guaranteed money. I thought it would be a little higher. And who knows? Maybe, you know, that's what Saquon's side was looking for. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with you. I, I thought it was going to take 24 or 25. That's what I said all along because a little bit more, that, that's kind of meeting in the middle, a little bit more than the minimum that it was going to take, which was $22 million. 
But at the end of the day, if I was Saquon and they offered me the $22 million and they weren't budging and it was down to the wire, I'm still taking that money because of all sure. the risks that we talked about, especially at his position with his injury history. He's coming off a season where we didn't just play 17 games. Granted, he played 16 regular season games. He, right. set up last. he played two playoff games on top of that. So he put more wear and tear on his body than he ever has since he's been in the league. Um, I'm shocked if they offered him a legitimate $22 million guarantee that he didn't take it. But I wish him the best. I hope he has a great year, and I hope we tag him again because I want him to remain a giant. But it is. Yeah, I I really hope that, you know, at the end of the day, they can all get past it. Right now, look, emotions are high. Saquon is upset. He's, 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 you know, probably a little devastated. But hopefully cooler heads will prevail. And that's why, you know, look, would you like him in training camp next week? Absolutely. But I'm not going to sit here and kill the guy if he shows, if he doesn't show up. Yeah, me either. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it for him to clear his head, continue his training, you know, let this all die down right now, because right now I'm sure emotions are high. There's so the, the media would be hounding He'd have a lot of, that's where everybody would be. Exactly. Down. And you know, that's going to be, a, it's going to be a question on a regular basis. You know, listen, just spoiler alert. I have Mark Lewinsky on the program tomorrow and Glowinski, I, I didn't really ask him about Saquon because at this point, what is there left to say? And when we got finished taping, Glowinski said to me, thank you so much for not asking me about Saquon. I said, look, Mark, at this point, what more can you say that hasn't already been put out there? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm sure, you know, you, you obviously would like to have him on the field, have him in the locker room. I get all that. I'm, you know, and I, I'm, I'm of the, you know, I try to ask questions that I don't know the answers to. Versus what I can guess what the answer is going to be. You know what I mean? So, look, it's going to be a question. I guarantee you, look, first day of training camp, which uh, the first media veil is the 26th. The players report the 25th. We get in the 26th, and we will have Shane and Dable join presser. presser. I guarantee you that most of the questions are going to be about Saquon. And I guarantee you Shane, in his opening statements, going to talk about it quickly. And say, look, don't want to talk about it afterwards, but there will be questions. I know there will be. Yeah, and they'll say they don't want to talk about it, and those the media will still ask, you know that, you know. And they don't have to. I get it. I, I, you know, look, um, they're doing their yeah, job. I get it. Well, Chris said too. I, I'm not unsympathetic to Barkley. I, something else I mentioned in the video is usually when this type of thing happens. 80% is usually against the player. The player is greedy. The player wants all his money because $10 million doesn't register to us. That's not reality. Yeah. But it's for them, it's relative. So I mentioned, you know, if you have a job and you're doing the same job as one of your coworkers, you have the same position and you feel you're actually doing a better job than your coworker, you make 80 grand and they make 90 grand, you're going to say, how come I'm not making 90 grand or 95 grand? So yeah, in the grand scheme of things, 10 million bucks to the three of us, Everybody watching, most likely, um, unless Saquon's watching. Hi, Saquon. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. $10 million is just something that doesn't register. We can't fathom that amount of money. But, again, it's relative to his coworkers or, you know, his peers, other the other running backs, his equivalent at that position. So I get it. That's something you have to take into consideration before you're like, ah, he's just being greedy. And, again, I don't think this was Saquon at all. I think this was his agency. I, I agree. Think. This up. I don't think I this agree. is. And I, I think- won't take one back here. I think he's coming back here. I hope he kills it. 
don't know if the Giants give him a damn deal. That's, that's what I hope happens. And I hope we win. But they're I, not going to get dog. Saquon can rush for 1,800 yards this year. He, I, we would tag him again. But if we weren't going to give him a deal this year, I don't. You think they're going to give him a three or four year deal next year? No. When he's 20, no. I just don't. I, I don't think that's going to happen you, at this point. You, you've got Andrew Thomas. You've got Xavier he, McKinney that yeah. coming up. You've got to make a decision what you're going to do with Leonard Williams for the for the foreseeable future. Which I wonder, you know, if Saquon's first agent, Kimmy Ollie, I wonder if she was maybe, you know, in her advising him, said, look, the odds of the Giants franchise tagging you again, given that they have these guys coming up. Now, Thomas, obviously, they pick up the fifth-year option, so they don't have to worry about that. But Leonard, they would have to worry about. They'd have to worry about McKinney. So maybe they figured, okay, we'll take the gamble and dig in because there's no way they're going to tag you again next year, which I think is a big gamble because if they get deals done with, with McKinney, like they did with Daniel Jones at the deadline, if they commit to, to uh, Leonard and they get a deal done there, yeah. that's a gamble on their And part. Daniel Jones's money, they can move around. So like if at they that need point, to, yes, they, they yeah, can they, restructure. They extra cap room to tag Barkley, Jones is 40 against the cap next year. I got news for you. If Daniel Jones is good this year, they're going to move that money. They're going to be like, okay, we trust him a little bit more. We'll give him a little bit more of a commitment. Let's move ten to twelve million dollars of that 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 cap hit. Let's spread this contract out a little bit more so we could spend a little bit. So they're going to have the ability to tag Barkley again if they want to. So which is exactly why it was imperative that they got the deal because somebody said they should have. Someone in my comments actually said they should have tagged Jones and gave Barkley the money. No, because you can't move that money. And Daniel Jones's tag was way more than Saquon's. Yeah. So you signed Daniel Jones, so you can maneuver the money around and can restructure the contract and make more money if you want to bring in Saquon Barkley next year and give him a deal or whatever they do. Plus, I, I'm pretty sure the Giants' cap situation is even better next year. They have it's going to be better next year. This year, so, this year it was better, but I and I made this point. They have about I want to say 3.8 million going into the summer. That should get them through. I don't think that's enough to get them through the season, though. They're going to have to move something somewhere. Yeah. What that something is, whether it's Tony extending Holmes. Leo, which I don't think is going to be the case, or what I think is going to be the case is doing something with Tyrod Taylor, which they can get get some money there. And then, but they're not going to do anything until after the cuts are made and they see, okay, what money are we getting back from all these one year veteran minimum deals we threw out here? Because they'll get money back on that stuff. So yeah. they, they're they're going to want to see where they're at at the end of training camp and then decide whether or not they've got to start, you know, doing other deals. But I would definitely get T- Tyrod Taylor done because this, this is his last year under the, con- you know, the last year of his contract. And who's your backup after, after time, Ty- you know, after Tyrod Taylor, who's, who, who's, who's stepping yeah, yeah, up for doing a deal another year or two and you could spread out the money. I'm completely for that. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what I see happening. So anyway, I mean, Guys, final thoughts on Saquon, and then we'll take a quick break, and then we'll start talking training camp because I know there's a few people in the chat room who are like, enough about Saquon. You might you might know this because I'm not sure. If he, if Saquon doesn't sign the tag, Giants get that money? Is that how that like, – what happens to that money? No. Well, it, it during the season, if he doesn't sign the tag – Is believe, it game by game or whatever? Yeah, like, what happens is I believe it gets uh, prorated back, okay. you know, 117th. So the, the – the base yeah. salaries are divided over seven, gotcha. 17 weeks or eight. That's, that's what it is. I remember reading I that. It's over that. 17 weeks. Yeah, that's what so it they is. They could actually get a cap credit. Yeah. Now, okay. I'm not sure. Well, I wasn't sure how, how that will apply next year. 
Okay. I wasn't sure how that. I'd have to look it up. I, I, well, I, I, I have a question, Patty. Actually, one of my, uh, somebody asked me this on Twitter. I, I wasn't sure of the answer. If the Giants, they're not going to do this, but hypothetically, if the Giants were to rescind the tag, could they extend it before? Because I know the rule is on the tag, you can't. But if they were to rescind the tag, could they still work out a deal before the year starts uh, with Saquon Barkley if they if they wanted to? Could they do that? I don't believe so. I think that would be circumventing the tag. You can't do it, right? I didn't think I so. I don't I, think so. Yeah. If they rescind the tag, he becomes an unrestricted free agent. And then he now can, he's free to negotiate with any team. Yeah. I, I don't I believe he can do it with the Giants. If yeah. I, you know. But my, I my, that my, question my too. final thoughts to answer the question, <laughs> uh, to wrap it up in a bow. Um, yeah, I think Joe Shane long-term made the right decision. If Barkley wasn't willing to sign a deal in that $22 million range where you could get a clear out after two years, Shane made the tough decision. He knows he's going to get ridiculed by a large part of the fan base, the talking heads on ESPN who say that, you know, he's more important than Daniel Jones. They're going to rip him the stretch for that because they know he's the most popular player. Uh, I think Shane showed a lot of growth this year as a general manager. He was presented with two really hard situations, a, a quarterback and the face of the franchise, the most popular player on the team. And I think he stood strong. He drew his line in the sand. He wasn't willing to go past the number. Jones met him where he was willing to go. Barkley didn't. Um, and, and in the end, I think, I think Shane, yeah, I think Shane showed that he's not going to get pushed around. I think that's important for a young general manager. Something that I've, I lost my train of thought at the end of my video today, and that, that's what I wanted to say actually was I like the fact that Shane didn't give in. He didn't give in to the, to the fan base or the media or anybody that's saying Saquon's the most important player on the offense, their offense runs through, which you're not wrong. Saquon, the offense pretty much did run through Saquon. But I think that they do trust Daniel Jones a lot more, and, and they're going to rely on Daniel Jones more. They wouldn't have given him the contract if they didn't believe that they could rely on him more and that he took a big step forward. But I, I equate what Joe Shane did to, to kind of like being a parent. You know, you you love your kids, but at the end of the day, you can't really be their friend. you gotta, you got to be their parent. you got to do what's best for them. You, you can't always just give in to them. And as much as they love Saquon, and I'm, they try to get a deal done. It's not like they're like, no, we're not talking. You're just you're, you're getting the tag, whatever. We're not trying to go. They negotiated a lot. They just couldn't come to terms. But I'm glad that our GM took a stand and said, this is like Chris said, the face of the franchise. And he said, nope, we have to do what's best for the team going forward and can't just worry about an individual player because that's how you screw a team up. This, this is not basketball. One player – is not going – I mean, it's going to affect your team, but one player on a basketball team can win you 20 extra games. I mean, this is what happens. You know, a guy, a guy like Michael Jordan went out. Uh, how good how good were they without Michael Jordan? LeBron James, there's, there's certain players that can take it over in basketball. A quarterback, like Chris said, there's no quarterback by committee. You lose your quarterback, people say, how many games did the Giants win when Barkley was hurt? How bad did Daniel Jones look when they were hurt? Well, how many games did the Giants win when – they're only seven in Jones' last seven games he's missed. Right. So you, it's it's one way or the other. It's the fact that we were a bad team. And we're a bad team because Dave Gettin was sticking his all of his money on guys like Kenny Galladay and putting all the money in one position. And it wasn't panning out. Like you said earlier, Patty, this is about having a well-balanced team. You can still get maybe not as much production from that running back position as Saquon will give you, but you should be able to get enough. Like I said when I started, the last 10 Super Bowl champions, the most any of those running backs have gotten paid was $2.5 million, which tells me that as important as it is, it's not as important as it was, if that makes any sense. Gut feeling, Saquon does play under the tag. He just play. He just signs it before the game, and Dallas probably doesn't play against Dallas. 
And then week two, he, we go forward with Barkley. That's my gut feeling and final thought on it. All right. Fair enough. All right, folks, we got a whole lot else to talk about besides Saquon. We've got training camp coming up next week. So we've got to talk about some battles, some new faces, all kinds of great stuff. But first, dog, you want to pay attention to this ad coming up. I, really, take- I, I wish we I would have paid attention before because I just paid. We do have to take a break. Uh, folks, uh, we're going to hear from eBay Motors, one of our new sponsors. So we will be right back with Locked on Giants Live right after this. Hey, Giant fans, our partner at eBay Motors has teamed up with Locked on Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week, all season long. Whether you're prepping for a draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. And if you're looking to make a smooth turn in fantasy football snake drafts with the last pick in the first round and the first pick in the second round, you can catch an initial spark for your roster by revving up with two elite NFC East wide receivers, the Cowboys C.D. Lamb and the Eagles A.J. Brown, a letter-perfect guaranteed early fit. Count on Lamb driving Dak Prescott and Dallas's new-look passing game to big numbers, and Brown revving up Jalen Hurts' downfield throwing often again in Philadelphia. And Giant fans, if you're looking for a guaranteed fit for your vehicle, you need to check out eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts and accessories for your vehicle right at your fingertips, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Air filters, brakes, batteries, taillights, alternators, shocks, struts, you name it, eBay Motors has it. And they'll make sure it's the right fit for your car because eBay's guaranteed fit helps you understand exactly what parts you need for your vehicle. So go for it, switch gears, crank up the AC, and say goodbye to sweating when your ride needs a little fixing up. Because with eBay's guaranteed fit, everything you need for your vehicle is just a click away. For the parts and accessories that fit your vehicle, just look for the green check. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay's guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to Locked on Giants Live. You got Trina, Tana, and Dog reunited and it feels so good i just gotta tell you patty you have become like daniel jones when it comes to reading those ads you have improved so much you you're like so? yeah yeah you're like daniel jones of 2022 like you you have gotten so i was into it the way that you were reading it the i loved it i absolutely loved it and now you know I, how many takes it took me to get through that ad one no Multiple ones. <laughs> Seriously, it, it, it's so funny. I have a script that I follow and I actually read it off of a screen. And if it's a long ad read like that one is, I try to put energy in it. But sometimes when I'm talking and I'm reading what I wrote, it's like I tend to deviate from the script and I screw it up. And I'm like, oh, man, I got to go back again. So there, there have been times when I have done ad reads and I've had to do them five or six times to get them right. So I know I've had, I've had to do you know what? But luckily, for our sponsors because they help pay the you know they help pay the bill and support the podcast. And uh, you know we're excited about eBay Motors. They're they're great people, and we appreciate them sponsoring all of the Locked On podcasts and um, just really a cool opportunity. So it was good thank for you for the compliment. When I had uh, when I had Nick's ice cream last year sponsor me, he just told me to ad lib it. 
That, that made it very easy for me. I'm like, yeah, yeah see, I'm, I'm terrible with ad lib. I can't do it because I always leave something important out. Yeah. I can't do it. It's it's weird. Yeah, so I have to have I have to have a script. That's yeah. just how I work, you know. One of them I, I had a script I had to read, and, and the other one is just, just. I mean, it's funny. I, I I ad lib. You know, it's like I'll write down my ideas for when I'm doing a solo show. I'll write them down on a piece of paper, and I'll ad lib off that. No problem. But Ad reads because I want to get them right for the sponsor. That that I struggle with. But anyway, gentlemen, uh, we Amen. have training camp coming up. So let's turn the attention there. Year two under Brian Dable and company. Just generally speaking, let's talk about some of the new faces that are brought in and what how we think these new faces are going to impact this team moving forward for the better. And most importantly, have they closed the gap? With Dallas and Philly, no, not with Philly, but with Philly. but they've started to. They've gotten better. Um, you know, in terms of like the you, you bring up the new faces, like I'm sure we're going to get into like the camp battles and the guys that are fighting to make the team, and you know, so on and so forth. But the new faces, I mean, the guy, I you know, I'm I'm going to try to go to training camp on the weekend because obviously I work a nine to five now on uh, Monday to Friday. But um, I'm going to try to go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to try to go to at least one, if not two, because uh, I know they got two weekend uh, days this year at training camp. So when I go, what I'm looking most forward to, like, hopefully they have the pads on. Last year I got gypped because I went twice. They didn't have the pads on either time. Uh, I can I can, I can, can give you some some uh, insight on that just real quick. And I don't mean to interrupt you, yeah. but I was looking at the schedule, the, like the practice schedule, and let me just pull it up real quick and I'll tell you. The first three days, which um, practice starts on what? I said Wednesday, so Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, no pads. Saturdays no practice. I don't think Sunday's gonna gonna be um, a padded day. I think it's gonna be five days. So I think the first padded practice, if I'm not mistaken, is gonna be on Monday the 31st. I think that's the first padded practice. Okay. If I have this correct. Regardless, the, the, what I'm looking forward to, you you brought up the new faces, the JMS matchup against Dex, getting those reps right because he's such a big part of this team this year, right? The center. Um, him be, being able to go up against our interior defensive line in training camp, I think could really help him in terms of his growth process, right? Uh, you know, iron sharpens iron. People say that all the time when training camp starts. We have arguably, if not the best interior defensive line, among one of the best in football. So for him to be able to go up against those guys each and every day in training camp, I think that's going to help him tremendously. Obviously, Deontay Banks, you bring up the new faces, first round pick. Love to see how he does, right? Maybe he'll be matched up against Jalen Hyatt, our third round pick. Bobby Okereke, a guy I'm really excited about. Last year, we didn't have a linebacker. But I think the guy that most Giant fans are going to be most excited about in terms of the new face, Darren Waller. I'm excited Mm. to see how the Giants plan to utilize him in this offense. Are we going to get that Travis Kelsey-like vibe, right? When you watch the Chiefs games, you always see these nifty plays, the way that they utilize Kelsey in terms of the forward pitches behind the line of scrimmage. I'm really excited to see what they want to do with Waller. You know, in terms of the pre-snap motion, what you know, so I think that's the guy that I think a lot of eyes are going to be on. But and Kayvon, I mean, I, I'm and, and Evan Neal too, by the way, he's such a key integral part of this team. But Kayvon Thibodeau, I cannot wait to see him step on a football field this year because a year under his belt, I think he's going to take a major leap forward. And of course, Daniel Jones. I mean, come on. So I there, there's so much I'm excited about. But if I had to pick one individual matchup, you know, I love the line. I, JMS versus that interior defensive front. Yeah. I, you know, the, you mentioned John Michael Schmitz. 
here's what I want to see. I want to see that offensive line better handle stunts and twists and all the little funky things that Wink Martindale likes to throw at, at, at the opposing offensive lines because that's been a problem for the Giants for quite some time now. And I think now once they have a little that unit settled, maybe the communication will be a lot better. And again, spoiler alert, I have Mark Lewinsky on tomorrow's show. That show's dropping at midnight actually tonight. We talk about some of this about, you know, playing next to a rookie, the offensive line and, you know, some other stuff. So those of you, you know, watching or hearing the show, check that one out. That was pretty good. I thought he was pretty good um, with what he was able to share. But that's a big battle that I want to see is how is that giant offensive line going to deal with the defensive line? Because you know Wink is going to test them. You yeah. know he's going to do it. So that's one one particular thing I want to take a look at. Waller, you mentioned Waller. What's he going to do in terms of opening things up along the the you know the numbers for the receivers? And how are they going to move these guys around? I mean, we saw some pretty funky looks in the spring. Now, whether those looks make it over to the summer and then into the games, that remains to be seen. But we saw a lot of creativity. And by the way, more pre-snap motion, which we didn't see a whole lot of last year, because I suspect the offense, you know, it was year one. They were learning the system. You know, they wanted to get everybody down and not confuse them. This is a very complicated offensive system. But this year, I think we're going to see more pre-snap motion, more deep throws. I don't think it's going to be like 10 a game, but certainly more than what we saw last year. And just more opportunities to get the ball into the, the, the hands of these playmakers who can pick up the yards after the catch. So, so that's some of the, the exciting things I want to see, what transfers over from the spring into the summer, into the season. Another thing I just want to mention before, I'm sure Bad Dog's going to go over his, just in terms of a trait, the speed. Like, mm. just to see the speed of this offense in camp excites me too, right? With Paris Campbell, Darius Slayton, J- Jalen Hyatt, the the because we have so much speed on this offense. So I'm excited to see that as well. Yeah, and I mean, Kansas City has done it with speed for years. Yeah, um, Definitely, I, I agree with both you, you guys and lady. Uh, the the offensive and defensive, I mean, the game is still one of the trenches. As much as they want to change rules, as much as we come into passing league, as much as it, everything's changed around the trenches. But at the end of the day, the trenches win games. We need look no further than what Philadelphia did to us in the playoffs, and it still makes me sick in my stomach. But <laughs> you got to tip your cap where deserves to be tipped. They yeah, both, but the city took care of them, dog. So. Well, I enjoy that very much. Kadari's story likes to troll us. I'm like, Bro, we were rooting for you. What is wrong with you? Yeah, yeah seriously. <laughs> Dude, I'll take 10 middle fingers from Kadarius Tony before I see the Eagles win on a Super Bowl. I'm fine with it. I'm fine yeah. with it. I'm fine with that. But that offensive line needs to get better. And especially without Saquon, if he's, you know, depending on the Saquon situation. But in training camp, I don't expect Saquon to be there. So, yeah, that's going to be a big thing. I expect – I want to see Daniel Jones. He still needs us to hit major improvement last year. But he needs to go even farther. I got his contract, second year in the system, and yeah, the weapons are on him. Darren Waller went healthy. People are used injured all the time. My brother-in-law is a Raider fan, loves Darren Waller. Said so that he is going to be so good for you guys. That's a safety blanket for a quarterback. Just look at what Jason Witten did to us for years. George Kittle, Zach Ertz, um, Dallas Goddard. Look at look at the best teams have good tight ends. Travis Kelsey. 
the best teams have good tight ends because when a quarterback can't find a receiver, the tight end, when you have those mismatches in the middle, the tight end is a lot of times is that check down guy. Or if you have a guy like Darren Waller, he can be a big play guy as well as a check down guy. That's why I would have loved to see Saquon there because that when you can run the ball and you have a quarterback that can run, it freezes those linebackers for a second and Darren Waller is wide open. So I would like to have seen the whole thing together. But the fact, like Chris just mentioned, the absolute straight-on speed that we have outside now. Giants haven't had that maybe ever in my lifetime. People have said Jalen Hyatt is right up there with Tyreek Hill, right up there with Jalen Waddle, fastest receiver in the NFL with straight-on speed because you know he had a hamstring issue or something during the 40. He didn't give it his all. But guys in the you know in the media have said this guy can he's a four four three flat four two nine that's just blazing. Cam ran a four three one by the way. Yeah. So in yeah. Cam right we you and I Chris wanted in the draft Paris Campbell the year yeah. that he came out of the draft. Um, so to have guys like Campbell and to have guys like Waller there and, and Jalen Hyatt Jalen Hyatt's going to work on his route running. You can coach that. You can coach that up. You can't coach straight on speed. You either have that or you don't. So. What I'm excited to see, like Chris said, is the speed. And I'm excited to see this offense open up more. People got on Daniel Jones only threw 15 touchdowns and this and that. And it, but it's amazing when you talk about Jalen Hurts, you talk about some of these other quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson, they always bring in the rushing yards. Oh, look at all the rushing. Well, Daniel Jones ran for over 700 yards and had seven rushing touchdowns. But the the detractors don't want to look at that aspect of his game. Yeah. But I do believe, and I'm not going to put numbers on Daniel Jones this year, but like you said, Patty, you're going to see more deep balls this year. You're, I believe they're going to open it up more. Now that he's more comfortable, now that he's got a year under the system, now he's got that contract behind him, he's the man. And there's going to be more pressure on him. He's, But I think he handled pressure very well last year. So I'm excited to see that. I'm always a defensive guy, but I feel like I know what our defense is. I, like Chris said, Kayvon Thibodeau, I just, he's got a chip on his shoulder. and. That I love him. I don't know what else to say. I mean, again, <laughs> he he is just a. I love him. I love his attitude. I just that's a that's a defensive player. I'm hoping to see Zosuari can stay healthy this year too. That way, we can have both of those guys. That'd be amazing. Well, you know, people, people, I'm more excited to see the offense grow this year. I think I think there's a lot of room for improvement there, and I expect to see that. You know, just you, you mentioned Aziz Ojolari staying healthy. And one of the questions that I hope to get in when Shane and Dable speak is about injuries and what they've changed. But I have a philosophy. I have a theory about this. The Giants have gone through different strength and conditioning coaches with the head coaching changes that they've had. They finally have some stability now. So last year, if you remember, Aziz came in and he was bulked up like the Incredible Hulk. Oh, yeah. I, I question if that was his decision or if somebody on the Giants told him that. I think it might have been his decision because just given the timing of when the coaches were hired and assembled and everything like that. So I'm wondering if now that they have stability in the coaching ranks, it may be some of these injury situations, the soft tissue stuff, you know, the hamstrings, all that stuff. I wonder if maybe that goes down. I know a lot of people said, oh, the turf, the turf. What's, what about the turf? And and. The players haven't really worked a whole lot on the turf, which is also in the field house. I had an opportunity to walk around on the turf and I can tell you, right. I mean, it feels more like grass, no yeah. question, but you know, I think that all factors in the strength and conditioning and all that stuff, but that is a question that I hope to ask 
um, during the press. Tour. I'll probably get 50 million weird looks because everybody's going to want to know about Saquon, but I don't care at this point. I'm going to yeah, ask that's, it anyway. That's you're a uh, trailblazer, Patty, because you asked. <laughs> I'm a rebel, man. Yeah, you ask different questions. Anybody, I, Chris or I could go in there and go, oh, so uh, <laughs> what's the deal with Saquon? I get, you know, we could do that, but. Uh, yeah, the, I mentioned this before. Listen, I'm a guy who likes to work out. I have no reason to be flexible. I don't need to be flexible. Anybody need to be flexible. Aziz Ojolari, strong as an ox, flexible as a piece of wood. Uh, that does not work in the NFL. It, it doesn't. I see these By guys. The way, do- you know what I'm thinking about when we're talking about guys who are Jack? Daniel Bellinger. That, you want to oh, talk about Oh, my God. I'm excited for him. I'm I think about Neal. <laughs> I think a lot of us are forgetting about him. I am excited to see how the Giants are going to utilize him in that probably H-back role that I think that, they'll, that they kind of used Myrick in last year. But you think about this offense, how good they were in the red zone last year, top five. Now you've got two tight ends that you could throw the ball to. Hopefully a healthy Wandell at some point this year with his shiftiness. All the wide receivers. Hopefully a Saquon. Kopp is looking at his checklist. He's like, I'm going to do damage inside the 20 this year. I'm excited. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, they had no problem inside the 20. It was getting to the 20, yeah. if I remember correctly, because the red zone offense was pretty decent. It was certainly yeah, more improved than the year prior. Like, there, there was nobody that could really stretch the field. And, and our injury, oh, not to mention, I mean, it's not a new face, but you had Paris Campbell, you had uh, Jalen Hyatt, and Isaiah Hodgins was our number one receiver. We brought him back. So, and Daniel Jones, it's kind of – Hodgins and Jones kind of remind me of Slayton and Jones, and the immediate like Slayton's rookie season, they had a great rapport immediately. Yeah, and Hodgins is a big guy. What is he? Six five. He was awesome for us. So you add him into the mix. There's so much more versatility on the offenses here. Something we did not have last year. There just wasn't. That's why it was a lot of check down pass. Daniel Jones had the least amount of you know, yards in the air, and the, the ball's only in the air six yards every pass. Blah 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 blah. All these stats. Yeah, but look. He was throwing to Richie James. He was throwing to Lawrence Cager. He, he, he was throwing to, I don't even know half the time, who he was throwing to. Wandale broke out. He had a great game. Tears ACL. You know, Sterling Shepard tears ACL. Uh, Darius Slayton had a nice comeback here, but he dropped 16% of the passes thrown to him. He was right at the top of the league. So he did make that one incredible catch um, against Minnesota. But the, the offense is such, it, it's so different. And I understand, I, like I said, I want Barkley back here as bad as anybody else. But the Giants have a lot more options this year than just turning hand at 26. So, and it, with Kafka, like I said, a complicated offensive system, second year in the system, more weapons to work with. Very anxious to see exactly what they're doing. Like Chris mentioned, when Wandale gets back, there's another guy that can do a lot of end around stuff or, you know, double reverse. Or, there's just a lot of things you can do. So, you want to hear a scary stat? And I, I looked this up for an article that I had to write tonight. Do you guys know when the last time the Giants had a receiver go over a thousand yards? How did Beckham? Oh. It was Beckham, but do you know what year it was? 2016? Uh, nah, a little. 15? 15? No. 14? How did he? 2018. Oh, oh, 2018. It's been a long time since the Giants have had a receiver go over. Uh, he had a thousand yards this, in the regular this season. Last four games that year too. Yeah. yeah. The quad. Yeah. Golden State so, would have, but he got he missed. I think four games his first year. You know, now this year, hopefully, 
they they get you know at least one guy over a thousand yards. It would be nice, move yeah. the chains, but you know we'll we'll just see how this plays out. But I you know going back to your point about you know changes and stuff like that, I do think we're going to see more twelve and twenty potentially twenty two personnel. Um, you know a lot more with the tight ends. Um, I'm curious to see who the third tight end is going to be. I think it's going to be Cager. They do like you agree? They like it. <laughs> Played well at the end of last year. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and I'm also curious to see how this receiver group takes shape. I mean, gosh, you, you, you figure me, if everybody stays healthy, yeah. you figure uh, Slayton, Campbell, Hodgins, yeah. Hyatt. All right. Wandell. So that's four. Wandell. Who? Wandell. Wandell, I think, is going to start on pop. Not to start the year, but I'm talking. I think four. he's going to start on pop. And same thing with yeah. Shep. I think they're going to start on pop. So you got four guys. You figure you're keeping seven. So do you keep Colin Johnson? Do you keep Jeff Smith for special I think you keep teams? Smith. I think you keep Jameson Crowder. Do you keep him as your slot guy? Yeah. And oh, by the way, Patty, honestly, that's going to come down to special teams. In my, in I my think opinion. so too. But he, here's another interesting question that I'm curious to see how this plays out. Johnson Given how much they invested in Bryce Ford Wheaton, the odds that they can slip him onto the to the practice squad probably not very good if they're going to play him a lot in the preseason. So do you maybe add him to the roster initially well, and yeah, carry that's an extra receiver? I think they're going to have a little maneuver with him, if I had to guess, because like you said, I think they guaranteed him like over two hundred thousand, right? Which is a lot for a UDFA. I think they're going to initially like maybe put him on the fifty-three and then. Quickly shift him to the practice squad before the year starts. So he avo- I that's think so I- too. Yeah. I think so too. But I'm excited about him too. I mean, I'm excited about so many players. The wide receiver group, to me, in terms of camp battles, in terms of who's going to make this team, that to me is probably the most interesting uh, position group going in because even though we lack the high end, there's a lot of depth there. There's a lot of guys that do multiple things. Jamison Crowder. I think Crowder stands a really good chance to make this team because, like you said, Shep's probably going to start on the pup. He's similar to a guy like Shep. He also brings special teams versatility. He's been a punt returner. Which Shep doesn't bring, unfortunately. Shep also, yeah, so he's a guy I could see making this team as well. So, really, And I definitely think Jeff Smith's making the team because I think we need a lot of help with the special teams, and I think that's mm-hmm. a big reason whether you're going to sign him to begin with. But I'm excited. I'm excited to see this wide receiver group. The slot corner, I think, is a really intriguing um, you know, battle going into camp. The guard position, I could see that getting a little bit interesting. Maybe Azudu sneaks himself into the mix. Um, the LB2, especially after Davis got hurt. Um, OT3. Yeah, yes. That's a big one. Yes. That's a um, real big one. So, and I think they're going to pick up a couple of free agents along the way as well. I could see them picking up an, an edge rusher. Let's rush. talk about Edgeworth. I mean, same cast of characters last year. Yeah. We really know what Ellerson Smith can bring to the table. You know, O'Shane Zimenez started out okay, but then he kind of teetered off a little bit. Do they have what they need at edge rusher, or are they going to manufacture a pass rush in other ways? I think they're going to manufacture it in other ways because there just wasn't a pass rusher, I think, that they felt they had to have. So they brought back O'Shane after, you know, after he he was sitting in free agency untouched. So, you know, still a couple pieces missing on this team, but certainly I, a lot more holes filled. I say it every year, and it's never happened, and I don't know what our cap situation is going to look like. I believe he's still out there. He's old as dirt, but the guy gets eight sacks every year. 
He's got experience. The in doctor? Justin Houston. Oh, Houston. Okay. Justin Houston. I think he's perfect for a rotational edge. And he's got experience with Wink. I'd like the Giants to take a swing at him. If if I don't know what he's what like, at what cost does he exactly, want? That, see, that's the problem. Yeah, like I, I said, the Giants have about 3.8 million in cap space. Yeah. I doubt a guy like that is going to take a minimum, a veteran minimum deal. Yeah. That's the problem, I think. And you cut Darnay Holmes for up three million. I don't know, but Darnay, you know what? Look, until further notice, Darnay Holmes is the incumbent. I do think, though, he's in trouble. His roster spots in trouble because they got other guys. And I, if you remember, in the springtime, I asked Jerome Henderson about a potential committee approach, especially now that offenses are putting all kinds of different players in the slot. You've got tight ends. Small receivers, big receivers, big physical brutes, you know, offensive linemen in the you, you've got all kinds of options. So does it make more sense to have a committee approach as opposed to one slot cornerback? And Henderson, the paraphrase what he said, he said, ideally you'd like to have one, but he didn't rule out possibly having a committee. Yeah, based on the team you're going up against. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Guys, are we comfortable? with the depth at cornerback now, because, you know, you figure Jackson and Banks are your starters. Now behind, uh, after them, I think you've got Aaron Robinson, who yep. hopefully will stay on the field. Right. You know, Cordell Flott, obviously. Um, they've got this Amani Arurari guy from, from the Lions who didn't really knock my socks off when I saw him in the spring. But, you know, you got to take that with a grain of salt since there's no hitting and stuff like that. Are we more comfortable with the defensive back depth at cornerback right now? I don't know if I'm I'm more comfortable with it. I I think Flott's going to have a pretty decent year. I I thought Flott was was pretty good last year. Um, Deontay Banks is obviously a major upgrade uh, talent-wise, but he's a rookie. So there are going to be growing pains there. I mean, people can't expect this guy to come out and be Darrell Revis. You know, he's going to get – Cooked. It, it, every the best cornerbacks in the league get cooked. That's why, as a cornerback, you have to have a short memory. So if he gets beat a couple times at the beginning of the year, people can be like, "Oh, he's a bust. Oh, I should have drafted this cornerback instead of." I think he's going to be fine, but I still worry about the propensity of a rookie giving up big plays because, again, you go from college to the NFL. These guys are bigger, they're stronger, they're taller, they're faster. Their route running is more crisp. They don't get to this level without it. And the defensive back is always on his toes because he has to react to what the wide receiver is doing. So the wide receiver always has the advantage. And, of course, the rules don't allow you to contact the guys either. And you can't certainly can't contact or breathe on him when the ball's in the air. So I think he's going to be okay, but it wouldn't surprise me if he struggled his first couple games. Um, and, you know, if, I don't want anybody to get hurt, but – if they do, I really don't know how much depth we have. So, I mean, I'm a little bit better with the situation as to where we were last year, but it still needs work. We, we still need work in that in the secondary in general, I think. I wouldn't be shocked if we take a corner in the first round next year because I don't think Adoree's going to be back. So, no. no, I don't think so either. Yeah, which is why I thought it was so – that's why I knew we were taking a corner in this year's draft in the first Yeah, round. oh, that, that was a no-brainer. With, the, with yeah. the depth in this class, I mean, that that was obvious, I thought. Yeah, but in terms of my, you know, yeah, I'm, I, yeah, I, we're, I can't say I'm confident going into the year with our with our cornerbacks. 
Do I see potential? Yeah, I think Flat has potential. I think Aaron Robinson has potential. If he can stay on the field, I've been a fan of his. Um, I love Deontay Banks. I wanted the Giants to draft him on draft night before the draft started. I, I, I think he projects in terms of being a high-end prospect. I think he could be one of the better cornerbacks in the NFL. Like, I think he has that type of ceiling, and I think he fits our scheme really well. Um, but for this year, like Bad Dog said, you never want to have to rely on a rookie. And and God forbid if Adoree ever gets hurt and he's now our cornerback one, who steps in at the CB2. So I still definitely think that's a weakness of ours. Um, but I see potential. I see a lot of young players that could grow this year, like our first round pick, like Flot, like, you know, like Robinson. So I think it's an exciting group that it could see a lot of growth throughout the course of the year. But in terms of the depth, and it's still a major question mark. It's kind of like JMS. I'm really excited about him, but it's a major question mark. He's a rookie. Um, so I think the strength of this defense is still up at the point of attack. It's the defensive line. And now hopefully Okereke brings some talent to that linebacker group. But the edge, if Aziz could stay healthy, could be really good, even though we lack depth there. But I think our front seven is the overall strength of this defense. Yeah, especially Kavok, Thibodeau. Yeah. Just, yeah. What about safety, guys? How do you see that shaking out? I mean, Nick McLeod shifting over to the safety spot. You've got Dane Belton, um, who I think was coming off of an injury in the spring or some kind of surgery. I forget exactly what it was. Um, How do you see that playing out? Do you see a committee approach there? Um, Obviously, they drafted. They got Javarius Owens, who I think is going to be a sleeper to watch. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they they have – I don't know if Hawkins can play safety. I think he can play a little safety in certain packages, but they really added a lot in terms of, you know, the, the defensive backfield, three guys. Kenny is healthy. And I, I think he will be. There was a free guy in the last year. He's, he played a lot of the snaps his rookie season. I mean, he, he's out there almost every down. So that's a, that's a big help that he can pretty much stay out there the entire and he's my favorite giant. So I mean, I'm always gonna be a little biased towards the X-Man, but um I think he's solid. And I, I think, yeah, you might see a, a committee. You might just kind of they might have to feel it out to see who who fits the system the best and who produces the most and, and then go from there. But I, I do. I don't I don't know if anybody's gonna like have that nailed down. They, they're gonna name a starter coming out of training camp, but that doesn't mean that that couldn't change week two. Right. So yeah it's that will be an interesting camp battle. And you know what? I'm not so broken up about the idea of playing committees because now the, and I've said this before on the show, I think the giants are in a better position to play matchup football. They really weren't in a good position to do that in years past. They've got more depth. And now I think they can better match up because they can move guys in and out based on what they're facing. And that's can only help them. I would think. Yeah, that's a good point. Improved depth. I think that's going to trickle down to the special teams, as I've said as well. Um, but the, yeah, I think I think it's an open competition at the safety. I mean, you have some veterans. You have Pinnock, you have McCain, and then you got Belton, the second-year pro. Like you mentioned, you got Owens. So I think it's an open competition. I would lean towards one of the veterans getting getting the job out of camp, but that could definitely change over the course of the season. I, like, if I had to pick, I'd probably say McCain, but uh, you know, Pinnock or McCain probably would, I think, is probably the favorite to be the starting safety opposite McKinney, but that could definitely change throughout the course of the year. And that's one of the positions that's definitely up for grabs in camp. Yeah. And you mentioned Pinnock. I think Pinnock was also coming off of some kind of surgery, too. Yeah. I think they're going to be ready. We'll find out. I I want to say we should know by Monday who's going to start the, the, the year on pop, but 
My guess right now, I think Robinson, Wandale Robinson, Shep. I could see a Sean Robinson starting on pup. Not once, and, and just to clarify, folks, because I get up this question a lot. If they start training camp on pup, that means they weren't able to pass the physical. So all that means is they can they they're still going to count against the ninety man roster, and they can come off a of pup anytime. You know they they're able to pass the physical. However. Once a player passes a physical, if he gets injured, he cannot be put back on pup. He has to go either on IR or they just have to carry him. So I get that question a lot. Obviously, during the season, if the player starts on pup, he's got to miss the first six games. So a lot of people mix that up. So I just wanted to put that out there as a, as a point of clarification because I do think the Giants could have a potentially lengthy pup list to start. But I don't think a lot of those guys that end up on the pup list are going to be maybe long term. It might just be like for the first week or so. Not a big deal, I think, if that's that's the case. That's that's what I'm projecting. So we'll see. We should know that by next Monday, I would think. Guys, let me ask you this: The Giants have so much talent now. Um, better, you know, they're better stocked at certain positions. I firmly believe at some point, maybe towards the end of training camp. Shane's going to try and swing a trade, maybe get some future assets for next year because they're not getting comp picks next year, given what Mm -hmm. they did in free agency this year. Who are some of the candidates that you think might not fit in with this team that could potentially bring some draft capital next year? Well, that's a, that's a really good question. I think you have to look at the deepest position. So maybe a wide receiver. I don't know. Maybe you get a late round pick for one of those wide receivers that aren't going to quite make the team. Um, that's a really good, that's a really tough question. Um, hmm. Where are we deepest? I, I, we're not training any of our interior defensive linemen. I think we're really deep there, but we're yeah. not deep. Receiver um, would come to mind. I would I think, think maybe receiver, quarterback yeah. or defensive back maybe. Yeah, Darnie Holmes, since Chris mentioned, they might. Yeah, I mean, maybe if, Holmes, if he's a cut candidate, if he has any interest, I could see him being a trade possibility, yes. But receiver, I would think, you know, maybe a Colin Johnson, perhaps. Yeah, perhaps. Could you see that? Perhaps. You know, I could I could see one of those back-end guys. I would think it would have to be one of the younger guys if they didn't think they were going to make the team because I don't see anybody trading for what a What about guy. offensive line? Uh, could you see anybody on the – I know offensive line, you know, I mean, they've got a ton of guards. Mm. Could they maybe look to move a guard, you think? I hope not because I don't think we're really yeah, – I don't, I don't really trust there. any of our cards, so I want as many as possible. <laughs> but Do you see Shane Lemieux making the roster? No, but I don't see Shane Lemieux being worth anything on the trade market either. True. Okay. You know, maybe like a six-round pick, maybe. But um, I, if I had to guess, a young receiver. If they, if they felt like one of these young receivers weren't going to make the team, maybe they could get a late-round pick for one of them. Yeah, it's tough. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know if we really have many trade candidates because, again, we're, we're I think the Giants are trying to figure out exactly what they have. But, yeah, I, I think that probably, you know, because Darnay Holmes would save him some money. And not that we're incredibly deep there, but I, I don't think he's coming back. So trading him and getting something for him would be – but, again, again, you're not going to get a lot for him. You might get a six-round pick. I, I just there, – there's not a lot there I think the Giants can – trade I, I think yeah wide receiver maybe but i there's, there's just not a lot I, I don't think we trade anyone on our offensive line i don't think you want to trade anybody in a defensive line I, I think you want that to be what it is especially again looking at the game against philadelphia i think that's why the giants went out and beefed it up because like that's not going to happen again um so yeah that's 
that's tough. I, I don't I don't know. Unless Barkley signs a tag and then the Giants go, okay, we can't figure nothing out. There there's a guy. That's the only guy that's that would bring some maybe. Who knows? I don't even yeah, know. I guess Barkley would be the one that makes the most sense if he was causing a fit. And that would, yeah, that would be the one that may, I don't think that's going to happen. But if you're saying, yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah. And you still wouldn't get a lot for him, probably. You, yeah. You'd probably get a third or a fourth round pick at best. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, they slapped the tag on him, you know, which carries two first rounders as compensation. If they weren't able to get that in free agency, what makes anybody think that? If they were to trade Barkley, which, by the way, I don't think they think they would either. You're not getting a first round pick for him. No, I'd be no. stunned no if way. you got that. No, I could see us trading Barkley in season if they, if things don't go smoothly this year. I could see that if he's playing good, kind of like the the uh, Panthers trade McCaffrey to the Niners in season. That I could see. I don't see it happening preseason. It's going to be interesting. No, they're going to have a preseason because he ain't going to sign that tag in preseason. Yeah. Yeah. Unless, unless you know, they say to him, "All right, you know what? We're going to do a, a sign and, te- and trade type of deal." Yeah. Which again, I don't think is going to be the case. I mean, Joe Shane indicated that they're they're comfortable with having him play on the tag. That's where it's headed. You know, yeah. I mean, uh, Barkley would have to become a really huge distraction for them to move him. I don't see that happening. I don't see that. Barkley's not that. That's not that's not who he is. That's the other thing is, I don't think we're like, doing it. I think he's playing this year as a giant. The, the video I made that the title or like the the, um, the thumbnail says, you know, because I saw this on Instagram today, and again, this is just it wasn't the media, but it's social media, and this just shows you how things can be taken out of context and twisted around. Barkley said, now, "I could say after Giants, yeah. and but I, I would never do that because I'm not that type of person." So and the, the thing I read, left the thing I read was just Saquon Barkley says F the Giants. It doesn't. I know it doesn't give the rest of what he said. It just comes out here. So that's kind of that was what prompted me to make because I thought about doing another video on Aaron Boone because the Yankees are just pissing me off. I don't want to get into baseball; they're pissing me off. So I thought about doing another video on that. And I'm like, but everybody's asking me about my thoughts on Saquon. Just do that. But that kind of triggered it just to say. It's just amazing how, especially in this day and age with social media, how people could take things out of context. And well, because of the headline. Yeah, of course. Okay. Through the headline. Yeah, it's you just know, so much more dangerous I mean, now because of Twitter. Because people just see a, a headline and they're like, they don't. They, everybody's attention spans are so short; they don't take the time to read. One of my pet peeves yeah. is, is, you know, I tweet out my articles that I write over on Giants Country, and a lot of times the headlines ask a question. And within a seconds, people will answer the question. And I'm like, read the damn article before you answer the question. You know? like, it's okay if you have an opinion, but read what I said and then maybe comment. You know? tell you, people, uh, there's no question. People just read the, the title of our video and they comment on the title. <laughs> Don't listen to a word we said. Exactly. exactly. Well, I, I do think we have really good listeners and great supporters. I think the majority of our listeners do listen to what we have to say. But yes, you yes. definitely get those listeners that you can yeah, tell. It's not there. It's they didn't. They didn't majority, but there is definitely people that are like they they comment, and I'm like, you don't watch your video because I say that six minutes into the video. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's unfortunate. It's it is clickbait, but the comments that Barkley made, you know, you've got to put them in context. And it, it, it reminds me years ago, I, and I always tell this story when I talk to young journalists about context. 
I remember Dan Reeves at a at, at the opening of summer training camp. Back in the day, we used to have a media picnic where the coach would get up and they would he would address the media and the guests and all that stuff. And somebody asked Dan Reeves what he thought the Giants' record would be that year. And I forget what he what the number was, but he said, basically, he said, if we stay healthy and if we do this, yeah. we have the potential to be. And he gave a really good winning record. Well, the next day, I remember reading the coverage, and it was like Reeves predicts the Giants will go blah, blah, blah. But they didn't say, they didn't provide the rest of the context to it. And I always remembered that. That was one of my earliest lessons I learned as a journalist. You got to include the context, especially when it's a, when you t- leave out half the quote and it can be misconstrued. Of course. Yeah. You know, so, you know, people don't do that, unfortunately. It's all about the clicks and, Drives me nuts. It does. So, um, all right. So, guys, where are we most concerned about this giant team ahead of training camp? Is it the injuries? Is it a particular position? Is it something else? Hmm. Um, Yeah, I mean, injuries are always in the back. I I think if you're a Giants fan, injuries always got to be in the back of your head because we always get banged up. Um, and a lot of our players, if we're being honest, have an injury history. Even, even the additions, Paris Campbell, uh, Darren Waller, um, you know, uh, these guys have an injury history. Saquon Barkley, uh, even Daniel Jones has an injury history. So you got to be worried. Go, I think that's probably my primary, re- uh, I guess, worry going into the year. Can this team stay healthy? They didn't stay particularly healthy last year. Luckily, our key players stayed healthy. Daniel Jones stayed healthy. Andrew Thomas stayed healthy. Saquon Barkley stayed healthy. Um, but uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, for the most part, stayed healthy. He missed the beginning of the season. Um, Dexter Lawrence stayed healthy. So our key guys stayed healthy, but, uh, yeah, I think that's probably my biggest concern going into the year. But if you're talking about a positional group, um, if I had to pick one, I think it's still the uh, offensive line as a whole, uh, even though I I'm encouraged and I think there will be growth. Um, and I do think Evan Neal will become at least an average right tackle this year in the NFL. I think he's going to take a jump. Even so, uh, even if he does that, which I think he will, I'm still really worried about the interior. You know, I'm excited about JMS as a long-term prospect, but he's a rookie. Um, so I, I still think, and I, I say it every year, but it's the truth. I still think my biggest concern going into the year is the offensive line. And it's the key of the football team. Cause I'm going to tell you what, if this offensive line could take that jump that we've been begging them to take for the last seven years, and I'm not saying they gotta be top five, be 15th, be middle of the pack. If they could take that jump this year, this offense is going, I'm not saying might be, they will be a top 10 offense in the National Football League. I have no doubt about it with our play caller, but that's the key to the season for me is the offensive line. That's my biggest worry. Yeah, I mean, injuries always, uh, I mean, because freak injuries can happen. And, and football is a tough game, and you see it every year. I mean, it's not just the Giants. There's other teams that deal with it too. But, yeah, you're, you're going to have injuries. But like Chris said, the key players stayed healthy last year. And that's what led us, you know, to making the playoffs. The, the, the key guys, the Jones, the Saquon Barkley, like you said, Kayvon Thibodeau, Andrew Thomas, like they they were healthy. Um, for me, I, I mean, yeah, the offensive line obviously is always a major question. I definitely think it's improved. I, I think Evan Neal the year under – and I don't think Evan Neal was healthy last year at all. I, I think once he came back from the injury, I don't think he was healthy. Yeah. You mentioned Patty. He was – you could see it. He was, yeah. he was you know, favoring – that one side of his body, throwing his technique off. I think he improves a lot. Yeah, JMS is a rookie, and we'll see what he does. But listen, I and I'm not comparing him to 
my guy, Creed Humphrey, but you, you saw a center can come in and they got drafted about the same position in, you know, um, whatever Creed went 58th. I forgot where we were exactly. What the hell was our five? I want to say it was right around there. Yeah. So I think, yeah, he's got some growing to do, but he's a gigantic upgrade at center. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm concerned about the, the secondary uh, because I, I just feel like if, if we do lose one of those guys to injury, I, I don't know what's there. I mean, we had a rotating door of, of corners and safeties last year. And, you know, just that's tough. That's a tough position to begin with. And when you're down and you're moving them around and they're in and out, and I, I worry about that because uh, I think our front seven is, I mean, it's up there. I, I definitely think it's a top 10 group. And yeah. if healthy, it could be even better than that, especially with Wink's defense. But the secondary does concern me, especially because Wink is aggressive and he does like to blitz which yeah. leaves those corners and the safeties out on an island. Uh-huh. So what Wink does, that position is so important, which is another reason they went out and got Deontay Banks in the first round. So that concerns me um, probably a little bit more than the offensive line does. The O-line, you know, the first off, I want to just comment on, on uh, Evan Neal. I think one thing a lot of people forget about, and Willie Anderson pointed this out when I spoke to him a couple months ago, Evan Neal mostly played left tackle, I think, in his final year at Alabama. And even though he had experience playing right tackle, it's like once you get used to playing one side for rep after rep after rep, sometimes you lose a little bit of your muscle memory and and you got to work to get it back. And then you throw in now you're playing against, you know, faster guys, stronger guys, smarter guys. You know, it, it can take some buildup. So I think Evan Neal's going to be okay. I think, mm-hmm. you know, that's a key thing. I don't know who the, the third offensive tackle is going to be. That's a concern for me. And I think the other inside linebacker spot is a big question mark for me because, you know, look, we talk about the pass rush, but for me, the run defense, we can all agree that's got to get better. Much and better. last and year, the will, linebackers. It will, by the way, it will. The, I think it will too, but last year the linebackers and not fit, you know, with their run fits, yeah, that was a big problem. Yeah, that's gonna you know, be okay, though, I, I think he'll help that out immensely. I think that's I, I, I to, to speak to Bad Dog's point about the, the, the corner play, I made a list of, and I think a lot of people when I make a list like this, they interpret it the wrong way. I listed my 10 most valuable giants, and and people take the term out of context and they said I had Saquon Barkley nine and that was not a disrespect or Saquon Barkley but a lot of people came at me like how is he nine it, it, it's in terms of most indispensable fourth on he my list fourth on my list was Adoree Jackson because of what Bad Dog said because if he goes down you're you're asking a rookie now to be the CB1 and you're putting Flott who's never played on the outside on a consistent basis on the CB2 so I, I, if I was not going to pick the line, I would say the cornerback because we're really thin there. And Adoree Jackson historically does have injury history. So that yeah. that is a big concern for me going into the year. Yeah, totally agree with that. And by the way, we did uh, the top 10 most indisp- indispensable Giants as well. And I think we had Barkley, I want to say fourth, but that was a group effort. We all I'm voted guessing on Jones that. is number one on both your lists. No, Jones I had Andrew one. Thomas as number Jones one. Jones was on one. List. Thomas was two. Dex Thomas was, was number one. Thomas was one. Because if they lose Thomas, 
right now, who's OT, OT number three? That was, you know, for, for, yeah. for us, that's how we voted um, over at Giants Country. We had, a, I think, like a team of six people cast votes. So. I would agree with both of you. I think those guys are one and two hands down. Yeah. You know, I mean, look, it's, 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 great. it's I mean, all a matter of perspective. Yeah. It's all a matter of perspective for sure. So, all right, listen, everybody, we're going to take our final commercial break. Um, a lot of you always ask me, how can I further support, you know, Locked On Giants, you know, since we don't do super chats and memberships here on the Locked On Network. But this next commercial, we'll talk a little bit about how, if you wish to support the podcast further, you can. When we come back, start putting your questions into the chat box and we'll start answering some of them as we continue here on Locked On Giants Live. We'll be right back. Hey, Giant fans, with training camp about to begin and with the NFL season not too far behind, there's no better time than now to check out the Locked on Giants subtext community program. This exclusive community allows me to communicate directly with participants, both in terms of group broadcasts and one-on-one texting. Members get exclusive items from me, including observations that I don't put out on my social media accounts and other goodies, such as... When available, the chance to submit questions to select special guests that appear on the Locked on Giants podcast. Details on how to sign up can be found in the show notes, and it's free to try for 14 days. And if you like it, do nothing and you'll be billed $4.99 per month after your trial period ends. There's no long-term commitments. Cancel at any time once your billing starts. And if during the trial period you decide it's not for you, just simply text STOP to opt out of the list before your 14-day trial period ends and you'll owe nothing. I can't think of a better way to connect on a regular basis with Locked On Giants listeners. And I hope you'll give the subtext community a try. Again, you can find details in the show notes. So check it out, sign up, and I hope to see you on the Locked On Giants subtext community. All right, everybody, welcome back to Locked on Giants Live. And just real quick on that subtext community with the Mark Lewinsky interview that I did, I actually sent out a broadcast to those on the community. I said, okay, guys, what pressing questions would you like for me to present to Mark Lewinsky? And that's something that I plan to do with all the planned interviews that I'm going to be doing at training camp. And I just actually sent in a whole list of guys that I want to talk to. I'd sent it to the Giants. Can I ask my question? question? Sure. Does he, does he plan to block this year? What's that? (laughs) I was mean. I said, does he plan to block this year? (laughs) But anyway, yeah. So, you know, that's just one of the, the many things that I I do with um, the subtext community subscribers. And I do text back. You know, I've got some people who text me every day, several times a day. So as time permits, I do text you back. Um, So it's really a cool way. And if you're looking, like I said, if you're looking to support the the podcast, you know, in addition to the views, which so many of you generously give my everydayers and newcomers and whatnot, that's a great way to do it. And I hope you'll check it out. Details in the show notes. And also it's on the screen here. Join subtext.com slash locked on NY giants. So thank you everybody for your support. All right. Let's see what we have in terms of questions here. Uh, I've got to scroll back because I saw a few. Okay. Papa Guzzo has a question. We got to get Papa Guzzo in here. Papa Guzzo is always on the program. Um, Thank you, Papa Guzzo, for checking in. Who will be the starting wide receivers? 
All right. If we're I'll talking start. 11 personnel, I think right now you're probably Campbell, Slayton, and Hodgins, I would think. Yep, those three. Unless think, one knows healthy, which he's not going to be. Those three. I don't even think it's a debate. I think it's those three. Yeah. So it's going to be those three. I think we can all agree on that. Um, Davey Anonymous, he missed the beginning. Do we think Saquon plays against Dallas in week one? Yes. Now, does he take a full workload? That depends. Yeah. So there's two different segments here we've got to talk about here. Depending on when Saquon reports, and I do think he will report, I don't think he's going to leave $10 million on the table. But know. if he comes in the day before, then, you know, he could theoretically not be ready uh, and not play, but it, it, it really depends. But I think all things being equal, I could see Saquon being on the field if he comes in like right after the Jets preseason game. But if he signs that tag the night before or whatever, then I don't think he plays against Dallas. He'll get a check, but he won't play against Dallas. That's how I could see Saquon maybe handling this if he's going to stage a protest. Yeah, I don't I don't think he's playing week one. I, I really don't. I think he's signing the night before, and I, I hope I'm wrong. I mean, he plays. Didn't Joe Morris miss week one of 86, Patty? You you would remember that. Oh, gosh. I know Joe Morris held out in 86. And for I don't I think, think he so. against Dallas. He had 21 touchdowns in 1985, and right. he held out in 86. Um, Emmett Smith held out in 93, the first two games of the season and then got it done. Um, but I, I hope I'm wrong, but I, with the way this has gone down, I just have a feeling he's just going to say, I'll sign it. And now if he signs that tag, it doesn't play week one, but he's there. He, still he, gets, gets, he, paid. he gets paid. Cause well, that, right. once he signs it, that 10.1 locked in fully guaranteed. There you go. So he, he's so, actually, he'd get a raise. Because he'd be getting 10.1%. Right. And I, again, while I think he will be available for week one, I could see him waiting to like the Friday of that first week to sign the tag, at which point he won't be ready. That's my guess. That's, that's what I think might happen. I'm hoping though I'm wrong and I'm hoping he comes in the week before because Saquon at heart is a competitor. He takes his role as a leader in that, that locker room very seriously so I'd like to think that he won't, you know, play games with that. But who knows if he listens to his representatives or his family, you know, maybe somebody says, you know what, screw the Giants. Why don't you do that this way? You get a paycheck. You don't have to fake an injury. And this is the best way to handle it. I yeah. think he's I can play. see that. I think I he's going to pull week one. I, I, I think he will sign maybe a week before, but I don't think he's going to get a full allotment of touches. No, I don't I, think, I think so either. Yeah, I think he'll be, maybe he'll get like eight or ten carries. I don't think he'll get a full yeah. Yeah, I agree. He does play week one. He goes into the locker room like Bobby Boucher did at halftime of the championship game. (laughs) 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 Nobody expects it to be there. And then he he goes in there and they they pound Dallas into the turf. I want to beat Dallas's ass. So we need Saquon. We're going to do that. Yes, definitely. Okay. Uh, Kelly Fisher asks When do you think Hyatt starts games? When when we get when we have some injuries, I I don't think yeah he's, I you know, agree lot at the start uh, yeah he's going to replace Slayton long term that's what I think is he's like the clear replacement for Darius Slayton in my opinion mm-hmm. um but because they're just similar in terms of skill set only hides faster um and hopefully has better hands no disrespect to Slayton he was great for the Giants last year um but that's what I see him but yeah unless we have injuries which we probably will we always do 
Um, I don't see him be. I think he'll have a role regardless, right. but I don't think he's yeah. a starter unless we have injuries. Right. And they don't have to rush him, you know, because yeah. look, work on his route running and, and all that stuff, the route tree, get him up to speed. And then his role will grow. I really yeah. think it will. And, 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 you know, there's no rush right now. So um, they can yeah. work him in, you know, here and there and whatnot. Um, James Vegas wants to know, do you think we'll find our long-term right guard in the future? They've got candidates, James, you know, Marcus McCathan, is one um I'm just trying to think they've got Jack Anderson's another guy that I know they like so this year it's going to be Glowinski um beyond that to be determined I don't think you know when you say long term of the future I think that's that's still up in the air to be determined because I don't know if Glowinski will be back here next year he is under contract but I think the guaranteed money dries up after this year so yeah, I mean, obviously we hope Azuda is one of the – whether it's the left or the right, we hope he's one of them, but oh, no guarantees yeah. there. And, yeah, we're probably going to need another guard at some point, whether, you know, it being free agency or the draft. Yeah, exactly. All right, Jordan Samitty, how do you think Kafka can grow as a play caller this upcoming year, and what should he focus on with all these new weapons he has? Down the field. Deep passing, absolutely. Look, again, last year – it was the first year of the system – Every player I talked to said that this system, this offensive system is complicated. So if you look and, you know, and, and spoiler alert, I talked with Glowinski about this and the speed and how much faster it's going to be this year. Again, that show was airing uh, tonight at midnight or just after midnight. But um, yeah, I think you're going to look to see them play faster. You know, I equate this to last year was level one. This year is going to be level two. So they're going to be able to take it up a notch. Deep passing is definitely going to be part of it, but you're also going to see a lot more plays where, you know, maybe guys, the short passing or the intermediate passing, get them in the, the the hands of the guys who could pick up the yards after the catch, you know, and and just mix that in with the deep passing game. I think. Yeah. To me, it all goes back to the line. Like I said earlier, too. Yes. uh, But if the line gives, if the line is even average, I have full confidence that Kopka is going to be able to get creative and have plays down the field. I think last year they felt the line was limited. They had limited wide receivers in terms of ability to get open. This year they have a little bit more explosion. If this offensive line improves, I, I don't really worry about Kafka. I think he's going to be – I think he's a good play caller. Obviously, Dable's heavily involved in the offense as well. Um, yeah, I think we're going to have guys running open if we could block. I, I have full confidence in this offensive coaching staff. Yeah, I mean, listen, the, in the red zone, a major, major, major improvement in the red zone. That's just somewhere we, we struggled. Yeah, getting there was a struggle, but when we got there, we cashed in. And that's what you wanted, the green zone, as, as Tom Coffin used to call it. Um, yeah, I think, again, you're going to see this offense open up a lot more. It's not going to be as conservative. I, I think that, again, if Dable and Kafka didn't have confidence in Daniel Jones, they wouldn't have given him the contract to begin with. But they also want to build a lot around him. They took a major swing at the offense in the draft and in free agency, adding Campbell, trading for Waller, drafting Jalen Hyatt. So, you know, bringing back Slayton um, and drafting a JMS. So, yeah, I think you're going to see a much more uh, intuitive and inventive offense. I think you're going to see more creative play calling. And, you know, like you mentioned earlier, Patty, I think you're going to see more balls down the field. Uh, two guys like Jalen Hyatt. Jalen Hyatt's, you know, they might just come in there and go, do, do, 
It might just send him in there like when he was in Tennessee. You know what? Just stand over there and just run as fast as you can towards oh, the end. Just go. Just yeah. go. Yeah. And if you're open, we'll throw it to you. I mean, maybe Jalen Hyde can just run by somebody. But if nothing else, if you just bring him out there and he stretches the field, it can open up underneath for Darren Wallace. Oh, so, yeah. yeah, yeah it, so, yeah, I think Kafka – Kafka's probably sitting there going, <laughs> what can right. I do? You know, so – yeah, I, I expect a lot more creative offense uh, from Kafka this year for sure. Yeah, definitely. All right, a couple of people asked about Shane Lemieux. Davy Anonymous says, "Is Lemieux healthy?" Yes, to my knowledge, he is. And where would he fit in at the guard position, especially for right guard? You know, Ben Bredesen's another guy that I haven't really mentioned. Ben Bredesen, I think, is in the final year of his deal. So. Right now, yeah, that interior, you know, the guard position, the left guard, they've got to settle that. I think ideally they would like for Azudu to take that job and be the future there. How that affects right guard after this year to be determined. It's kind of like it's kind of like that safety position opposite McKinney. I, I think you're going to have a starter named at a training camp, but no guarantee he'll be the starter in week two. Well, I don't want to see rotation because when you see rotation on the offensive line, it means they don't know who the heck they want to go with. I know, and that's what I mean. I, I, don't, I really don't want to see that. Right. I don't know if there's a clear-cut guy to really – like, okay, he's – you know Thomas and you know your bookends, and you know JMS is the center. So you have those. You're, you're going to give them a playoff now and again, but they're they're your guys. But, yeah, I think you might have to do some mixing and just to see who is the best. I, I, if, I, if I had to guess, guys, I think it'll start with the two veterans. I think I think it'll be Glowinski and Bredesen to start the year. But I do think there will become a point in the season where Azudu does take one of those spots. That's what I think will happen. Yeah. Maybe it'll be Glowinski's. I don't know. But that's that's what I think will happen. And also, you know, if there are injuries, that could, you know, throw a, a monkey yeah. wrench into the into the plans. But, uh but yeah, that that interior offensive line. I mean, John Michael Schmitz. I you know they they could say well they want oh there's a competition. He's going to be the star. Oh, I think star, I yeah. think we all know that. The yeah. thing with Lemieux that brings a little bit more value to the depth of this line is he does have center versatility. Yeah, but uh, not a whole lot. Not a whole lot, but he could at least step in in a pinch. I mean, and don't forget, you also have JC Hassenauer. Yeah, a lot of people just, forget about Hassenauer. Who, yeah. by the way, I'm not so sure if he makes the team, but maybe he does. He, that's a guy that could potentially be traded. That's a guy, exactly. Center experience. Yep, yep, exactly. Yeah. So you know, we'll we'll, we'll see. Um, all right, Chris D asks, can Azudu or Bredesen play right guard? I think Bredesen can play right guard, but I think Azudu is more of a left guard. But you know, look, oh, it, way, Bobby know. Johnson cross trains his guys anyway, so I don't want to sit here and say. No, he can't play this position because I know Bobby Johnson is cross-training guys. Mm. So, you know, we'll have to see. But here's another possibility, and I'll just throw this out here just for, for the heck of it. I don't think it's going to happen. But Matt Parrott as a tackle to me wasn't cutting it. Could he maybe function better as a guard, even though he's too he's big, big to be a guard? Yeah, he's big. Um, I mean, I think it would be a problem with, with the pad level, but – I mean, Maybe it worked it would for work flowers. better in a phone booth. I don't know. Work for flowers. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I screamed for years that they should try flowers at right guard, and they, they never did. And then he went to Washington, and he got paid by Miami. So it it, it did work. Um, I mean, it, I don't think you have anything to lose. You know, I mean, you, it, you're trying out there at training camp. I mean, that, that's what training camp is for. 
Well, See? also in the spring too. And I'm just, you know, and, and trying to remember because the offensive line always worked in the corner away from where we could see or way back on the, in the backfield. And I don't recall seeing Parrot working at guard, but that doesn't mean that they won't, you know, try it. I mean, I, I think Parrot did, isn't a lock to make the roster. Um, you know, I think they're going to go in a different direction at OT three, but maybe they don't give up on the guy. I don't know. I, I really don't know. Tyree Phillips, you know, amazing guy. I just mentioned Tyree Phillips. He can play guard as well. I think he's so, going to be the street tackle if I had to guess. Yeah. So yeah, he, I mean, he played Corey pretty Cunningham's well. another guy they got who could play OT3. I mean, they've got options and, you know, there's just so much to sort out. And right now, if you were to ask me to sort it out, I could probably give you the starting unit, but the depth behind them, I, I, I'm, it's a toss up for me. There. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's a toss up for me for sure. So, all right, uh, Papa Guso's back with another question: Can the Giants get fifty sacks this year with their current D line, or do they need to get another edge? All right, Papa Guso, you're talking about two different positions. So let's just talk about the pass rush in general. Can it get um, fifty sacks? Absolutely. Right. Last year we had, I think, I had, think so. Last year I think we had forty four. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look at one. I want to say was it forty one? Uh, it was 41. You're right. My mistake. So nine more sacks. Yeah. I mean, I think Kayvon's going to definitely have more sacks than he had last Aziz, year. If Aziz stays healthy. Um, I think our secondary will be at least slightly better, which should only help the pass rush. We got more depth on the defensive line. And well, a guy like Ashawn Robinson, isn't going to provide many sacks. What he will do is he's going to provide rest for guys like Dexter Lawrence and guys like Leonard Williams who missed time last year. They're going to have better ability to be able to close out games. So yes, not only and I- also you're going to see blitzes, you yeah. see more exotic blitzes coming from that defensive side because they do have guys back there who can blitz. Yeah, so, that, so not yeah, only do I think they can, I think they will. If they don't hit fifty, oh I think yeah, close. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, I do think fifty sacks is not totally out of the question. But again, the disclaimer: if they stay healthy, which yeah, I know, healthy, there's there's no reason to think that. They can't get the I'm going to give you the key number, though. We cannot have six interceptions as a team this year. Yeah. That is so dramatically up this year. Dramatically. Yeah. Yes, totally agree. Absolutely. That was a big problem last year. Guys got their hands on balls, but they dropped it. You know, I haven't found a stat that showed how many dropped interceptions they were. I'm sure Pro Football Focus has it, but there were a lot. So we cannot I have that again. Gonna, I think what's going to improve that number more than anything is going to be our improved run defense. Last yes. year we couldn't stop the run. To say, we might have the worst run defense in football last year. It was bad. As yeah. that improves, you're forcing them to be in, you know, Bad Dog and me talk about it all the time, you know, in situations where they're more predictable for the defense, where it's third and seven, third and eight, that makes it a lot harder to throw the ball. That should lend itself to more picks. So if the run defense gets better, which we're all projecting they will, I think that's going to lend itself to more turnovers for the defense. And that one defense can't be worse. Yeah. Yes. yes, absolutely. All right. Jonathan Christ asked, do you see us adding another linebacker or pass rusher such as Deion Jones or Yannick Nagaku? I think they're they're going to stand pat with the edge rusher unless there's an injury. Because, again, Wink is going to come out with different ways to manufacture a pass rush. Uh, and don't forget, you know, you talk about a pass rush, Dexter and Leo can give you a push up front, yep. which should help. 
you know, and I mentioned there's going to be probably more blitzes coming in from the secondary than we saw last year. I could potentially see another inside linebacker added because, all right, Beavers is coming off the injury. Carter Coughlin, you know, I think he's more special teams at this point. Cam Brown, special teams. And by the way, I don't see both of them making the roster. Um, Who else do they have? They have Troy Brown. McFadden. And McFadden. They have a lot of inexperience there. So we have to see how it plays out. But I would think of the two spots, inside linebacker, to me, would probably make the most sense to bring a second guy in depending on how these guys do in the summer. I don't think, you know, I think right now the coaches are, okay, let's wait and see before we panic and say, oh my God, we've got to bring in another inside linebacker because we've got guys that don't have experience. You got to start and get experience somewhere. So that's what I see happening there. Beavers too, by the way. I don't know if you mentioned him. Yeah, I did mention Beavers. Oh, you did? Okay. I think McFadden McFadden has the leg up, if I had to guess. Because I remember when we drafted him, I thought he Yeah. From what I read up on him, he's a good blitzing inside linebacker. It just seems like that's the type of guy that Wink would want in this defense. I think he has the leg up in terms of being the favorite going to camp as the LB2. Plus, I heard a lot of good write-ups on him, I think, in OTAs. So, I think he's got a good chance to, if I had to guess, to have the inside track at the LB2 right now. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's see. I'm excited to see what... What Darian Beavers does. Uh, I, I mean, he, he 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 looked like he was going to be a solid downhill type of player for he him. Just, when we did the draft that year, we were watching his like tape because we we didn't know anything about Darian Beavers. We don't study the draft that much uh, to get all the way down there. But when we watch his tape, we're like, oh my god, we love this guy. He's big, and he just the motor again. That's just something you don't teach is is the heart and. And when he was in training camp, he was all over the field before he got hurt. So those are my type of guys. Those, those yeah. are your lunch pail guys that just go. Those those are the John Madden guys. So the John Madden always loved those guys that never quit. They played through the whistle and after the whistle. And Darian Beavers, to me, from the you know little that I saw of him, is that type of guy. So yeah, um, I'm I'm excited for him. I I think he could be have an impact, and hope so. And I'm yeah. gonna tell you what, and, and Patty got a better look than I did in training camp, so maybe she could speak further on this than me. I went, I went to, I, I want to say I went to three training camp practices last year before, obviously Beavers got hurt. And yeah, like Bad Dog said, when we watched the highlights, we saw like more of that traditional linebacker, that downhill linebacker, hard hitter. He was much more athletic than I thought he was gonna be. When I saw him dropping back in coverage, they played him up at the line of scrimmage, like off the edge at times in practice. Like there, there was a clear plan for him to be much more versatile than I envisioned him being. Um, he really stood out to me in the practices last year before he got hurt beavers. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and, but again, when you're coming off that ACL and by the way, somebody asked if he's healthy, he should be good to go. I don't think he's going to be one of the guys that starts on pup. I also don't think he's going to be green lighted to do everything right away because this time there's time. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how that works out, but I do think beavers, you know, he, he was working in the spring, so I, I have no reason to believe he's, He's going to start on pop this summer, but we'll see. Um, all right. Mark B asks with all these weapons, will there still be quarterback keepers? I guess you mean designed runs. Yeah. Um, I think there will be from the RPO zone read type things. Will there be as many? Um, I hope, you know, look, I get nervous when Daniel Jones runs. I'm not going to lie. 
but I also recognize that his legs are an asset. So I do think they will keep that as part of the offensive, you know, program, if you will. But I'd like to see maybe, you know, more, I'd like to see them be more selective. Um, how many rushes did Daniel have last year? I forget. Was it did he have over a hundred? Yeah, must have been around a hundred. I don't think I'd like to see him run run a hundred times plus this season. He had I, 120 carries last year. Yeah, I don't think I'd want to see him run playoffs. that often. Me personally. Like 15 carries in the Vikings game in the playoffs too. It's something insane, right? That that game. Yeah, I I I don't want to see that. Yeah. I, I, yeah, but what was it? What was it against Indianapolis? He had a hundred yards rushing and Whatever it was, or yeah, it was the Colts game. It was the Colts game. Yeah, I forgot. Well, necessary, fine, but not you know. Oh, we have no running game, so Daniel's got to be a, no. I I, yeah. I don't want to see that. Be selective, and I do think they're going to be selective more so this year because now they've got more more guys that you know can carry the offense. But they, um, but, but, and I agree with you, Patty. I'm with you. I don't want him to take as many hits as he did. But you can't take that away out of his game completely because that's a big part of. No, I agree. What I makes agree, and I'm not. Yeah. And I'm not saying take it out of the game, but I'm saying be a little bit more selective. selective. Just like yeah. you're going to be selective with how many with, with when you take your deep shots down the field. That's all yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, no, I agree with that. But yeah, I definitely think it's still going to be a part of this offense because Daniel Jones's legs is one of the best weapons that we have. Uh, Absolutely. You know, in this offense. So they're definitely not going to take it away. I'd like them, like you said, to scale it back a bit. Like in an ideal world, would I like them to have almost 800 rushing yards? But probably more than that if you include the playoffs last year. No, I, I'd i like that number to be around 500, maybe up the past yards to over 4,000. Like that would be ideal for me. But um, you can't take that away because that's going to not just that, – that's also going to help his passing game. Having that – His legs, having the defense have to spy him, honor him. That's going to create opportunities in the passing game, so it's still definitely going to be a part of this offense. Absolutely, and and it should be, but just yeah. I don't want to see him running over a hundred times during the season. You know, I do think you know about five hundred rushing yards sounds about right. I can live with that, but be selective. That's all I'm saying. That's all yeah. I'm saying. And you know, to his credit, Daniel did a better job with ball security, but I thought there were times when he took a few unnecessary shots. Yeah. Which yeah. made me hold my breath. I agree. I, I'm like, damn, go down. He'll run and we'll be, you know, streaming the game and go down, slide, slide. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I'd, I'd be a little bit concerned with that, to be honest with you. Um, all right. Let me see. Um, Dylan Johnson says, is there a timeline on Wandell? My gut feeling is that he will start training camp on PUP. And again, I think the Giants are going to tell us who's going to start on PUP. I think by Monday we should know that for sure. If he starts on PUP, I'm just trying to think. Was he, was he the one that I saw him running around? Yeah, I did. I, I saw him running. Uh, I think it was the last day of the mini camp, the mandatory mini camp. He was cut, running and cutting and doing all kinds of stuff. And he was looking pretty good, but... See, here's the thing you guys got to remember. Even though a player might start on pup, the first five or six days is the acclimation period. There's going to be no hitting or anything anyhow. It's not really, I want to say, real football. Right. So even if a guy spends the first week of camp on pup, it is not the end of the world. You know what I can't wait for, Patty? What? The training camp is my favorite thing. It happened last year. When Daniel Jones has a bad practice, because Wink tells the, the Wink knows exactly what the offense is going to do. I cannot wait for Twitter to blow up 
and say Daniel Jones is the worst. Let's replace him with Tyrod Taylor. The overreaction to training camp makes me laugh. And I already know it's coming. I can't wait for that. <laughs> and listen, don't think for a second that Wink's not going to test that defense uh, or of that course. offense. Yeah. We mentioned it earlier in the show. That offensive line has had struggles with stunts and twists and all kinds of fancy stuff. And if you don't think that Wink's going to throw everything but the kitchen, including the kitchen sink, think again, because it's going to be a good test for the communication of that offensive line, especially now that you have a rookie center in there who you are you know, hoping will be your starter. So you might as well start now and, and just see how they handle it and use that as your teaching points because you don't think Dallas is going to throw stunts and twists and all kinds of fancy stuff at, at the Giants? Or Eagles. The, the Eagles, the 49ers, every opponent's going to do it. So yeah. start it now and see how it holds up. And, you know, look, you're right. People do overreact with what's reported at a training camp. But, guys, take it with a grain of salt. Grain Just of because salt. the offense looks crappy, according to reports, doesn't mean that the defense looks so good. It could be, you know, somewhere in the middle. That's what practice is for. You want to try exactly. to work Exactly. Yeah, so. Exactly. So, you know, just don't go to the ledge just yet. Just because you read, oh, my God, Daniel Jones threw 10 interceptions in a practice. No. no. I, I, I can't wait for DJ this year. You know what was refreshing about this podcast? What? We didn't talk about Daniel Jones really once. Last year, that's all we talked about. And, and that's not, I'm not saying that I don't enjoy talking about that, but the chatter, you know, always drives the conversation in these podcasts. That's, that's because of the conversation. It's interesting you, you said that, Chris, because I do have a question from somebody on Daniel Jones I was going to put up next. Let me hear it. I mean, this is an easy one, actually. Do you think DJ will get preseason reps? But, yes, I do. He means preseason games, I'm assuming. Yeah, right, so, preseason game um, reps. I yes, do think he not, will. Not will he get as many? No, not as many as last year. Yeah, I've got to build up the timing and, and, and whatnot with the new receivers. I'll be surprised if he plays the first or last game. I think the second game he plays a quarter and maybe a series in the second quarter. That's it. Yeah, I think he'll have a maybe three or four drives throughout the the, the, the totality of preseason games. I don't think he's going to get a ton of reps, but he'll get a couple. He'll get some reps. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He might, I, maybe, maybe the first game he does play the first series, and that's it. Yeah, that, that I can see. I, I well, can see. Don't him forget the, the scrimmaging against the Lions. So Dable counts that as kind of work. So maybe the first game you don't even see Daniel Jones and some of the starters. That's right. a possibility because that the, the joint practices will kind of take some of that, you know. So maybe you wait and you see more Daniel in, in, in the second preseason game against the um, Panthers. Yeah. So that, I, that's I, what I, I think is going to happen. You know, I, I mean, that's I, just I, last year I thought it was important for him to get some reps because it was a new Because it was a new system, yeah. Uh, this year, eh, limited. Yeah, save it for the regular season. We're going to need you, Daniel. I trust Daniel this year, you know, being more acclimated to the offense, the growth that he showed last year. Do I want to see him get a little bit of time? Yeah, because he's got new receivers. You want him to build a little bit of a rapport with Darren Waller in a game situation. And, uh, and John Michael Schmidt. I mean, you want him to get a rapport with him, exactly too. So. Yeah. Absolutely. That's, that's, a big, that's a big thing. You want the center and quarterback to be on the same page. Sure. You know, JMS going to have to learn Daniel Jones' cadence. And, and John Michael Schmidt is a weird snap, doesn't he? He does something. The, the dead ball snap. Right. Yeah. So 
they got to get it's used not to it. an issue, by the way. You got to get familiar with one another because they, they, they're pretty yeah. familiar in the, you know, the game. You got it right up in there. So, you know, you got to. By the way, dog, I, I told Chris, I told Chris this at the start of the program, your, your draft reaction, that compilation video, every time I need a laugh, I just tune into that with you going, Wee! <laughs> oh, like, yeah. oh my God, I just pulled out of you, my chair. We couldn't <laughs> any better. We got the three guys that we wanted. I yeah. know. That, that was awesome. Getting, I dog, two or three, I would have been happy. We got all three of them. So. If, we got awesome. JMS, if we got JMS in the first round, I would have been happy. We got him back into the second. And then yep. you get Hyatt, who most thought was going early second, mid-second. Like it was, it was a dream scenario. Deontay <laughs> Banks should, probably shouldn't have dropped as far as he like it was a dream scenario. It was perfect. Yeah. yeah. I think it's Salah's dropping all the way to 17th or wherever wherever he went. That that helped. Yeah. yeah. That helped. Well, I was surprised Emmanuel Forbes went before Christian Gonzalez because Forbes was the first guy off, right? 16 or wherever I think Washington. So. I and then the Patriots, I think the next pick took Christian Gonzalez. Right. I, I want to say there was another. I, I'm forgetting now. I think there was an one. Well, the, who was a really good corner? Went in the first five. I forgot who that was. Oh, yeah. um, Why is the name escaping? I forgot, I'm not forgetting. Oh, the dude from Illinois. The dude from Illinois. Um, um, I liked him too a lot. Too in the chat. Yes. 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 Yeah. 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 He went early. He went. We but we knew he wasn't going to the Giants. Yeah. We we just figured Witherspoon. I thought Christian Gonzalez was going to go a lot earlier. Then he did, so it was nice to see he get pushed back. And we were wondering, the Giants going to, you know, do whatever they got to do? But they did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, real quick, guys. If you're asking questions and we're not getting to them, just repeat them because we're getting a lot of questions flowing in. So um, I might be missing stuff. I'm trying not to miss them. But if you have a pressing question, just repeat it, and I'll eventually I'll see it. So I just want to mention that to the audience here. All right, Jonathan Chris asks, will Paris Campbell be used in the slot or outside or both? And also, will he be the slot starter? Jonathan, I think as far as the starter, it's going to vary. And I do think Campbell is going to – they're going to mix and match. I, I don't think you're, you're – you, on this offense, you know, we talk about how Wink Martindale has a positionless defense. Mm -hmm. And I think you're going to see with the skill position players, especially the receivers – they're going to be sort of positionless in that this guy isn't necessarily going to be an X or this guy isn't necessarily going to be, you know, the slot guy. So it's going to be a matter of matchups. That's, that's what the giants were striving to do. And I think that's what we're going to see a lot of. Yeah, I agree with you. I think he's going to play both. I think he'll probably play more slot than on the outside until Wandell is back and healthy and, and ready to get his full allotment in terms of the way that they want to utilize him. Then maybe Campbell will be a little bit more on the outside. But I think he'll be both. I think he's versatile. I think he fits the scheme the best. I've said it pretty consistently. If I had to pick, if I'm excluding the tight end, if I had to pick one wide receiver that has the best year this year as a Giant, I think it's him. I think he fits the scheme really well. And if he could stay healthy, I think he's due for a breakout season. I, I'm not saying he's going to be a pro bowler, but I think he's going to have a very nice year th this year for the Giants if he could stay healthy. Yeah, I think I think he'll move around too. I, I don't think they'll pigeonhole him to one position and and – Again, he can do a lot of different things. Speed, speed is uh, is a wonderful thing. But I do. I think you get in the same thing. You, when Mondale gets healthy, same thing. I mean, I think Mondale is a slot receiver, but it doesn't mean he can't line him up outside. Yeah. I mean, we saw, you know, Sterling Shepard can do both. Victor Cruz did both. It, it's definitely something. Again, I think we're very versed on offense, and I think depending on the package and the other wide receivers out there, Paris Campbell definitely could get some snaps uh, both. Outside and in the slot. And I'll be, I'll be shocked if he doesn't, to be honest right. with you. 
Right. All right. Uh, this is a good question, I think, and we haven't really talked about it, but it's important. Who will return punts and kicks? This is from Joe. Now, kickoffs, that new kickoff rule, I don't know if it really matters, if I'm being yeah. honest with you, because I still, you know, when we talked to, to Thomas McGahey about the new kickoff rule, which, by the way, you can tell he hates, as do a lot <laughs> what of is that again? I, I forgot what that, what that is. If, <laughs> if, if the kickoff lands, I think, anywhere inside the 25 and you call for a fair catch, the ball is automatically spotted at the 25. So it's sort of like a touchback type deal. Like that, I think. It's it's a terrible rule. I hate it. It's a they're trying it out on a one year basis, but I have a feeling they're going to keep. Kind of like they tried out the challenging the pass interference on a one year basis. Hell of that. Yeah. You know, I'm going to be honest. I'm still curious to see how how special teams coordinators work around it because now you're taking away the 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 squib. You're taking away so much out of the game with, with strategy. So kickoff returner, I think at that point, you just want somebody who can field the ball and not muff it. Punt returner to me is a bigger question mark as to who's, and that's going to be a more important role. Crowder can do it. I know Darnay Holmes can do it. You know, um, Hyatt could probably not be a do it. Jackson. It better not be a Dory Jackson. Uh, yeah. Oh, man, we screamed our heads off about that before we even got her. Dude, I was screaming loudest. Yeah. I guarantee you. I'm like, what are you doing? I think it'll be Crowder. If he makes the team, I think it'll be Crowder. I think it's going to be Crowder, too. Um, Somebody mentioned Khalil Pimpleton. Pimpleton's got a – he's had a little bit of a a dropsies problem from what I remember. Um, So if he can clean that up, maybe he's an option. I don't know. But, but yeah, um, that to me is, is a big question mark along with who's going to be the gunners because the gunner play last year on special teams was lousy. Mr. Smith, Jeff Smith. I think he's going to be a gunner. Jeff Smith. You know, do you keep Cam Brown or Carter Coughlin? I don't think again, you're going to keep both. So which of those two? I like, I'd like to see Cam Brown back as a gunner. I think they took him off that duty last year. Never understood why, because you know, he's got the size, the speed and the ability and I thought when he played the role, he played it halfway decent. But yeah. gunner play was a big, big problem last awesome. year with punt coverage. Awesome. Last year, our gunner. It was our, terrible. Especially our punt coverage in general. The punter and the punt coverage was awful last year. Awful. And, you know, Jamie Gillen, yes, he was inconsistent. Yeah. But just think about if he had had a little better gunner coverage, would yeah. his numbers have been as bad as they were? No, it wouldn't have been. It would have been better. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, that that's another uh, role – that obviously we, we want to see. All right. Um, the Silky Legend's been asking this one. Which new player, either by trade or draft, are you each – is each of you excited to see? I know we talked about Waller being one. Um, you know, Waller for me, for sure. Um, I'd like to see Eric Gray, what he can do. I mean, my Raider my, – my glasses are going to be on him, especially with Saquon likely to hold out of camp. Um Obviously, I want to see how John Michael Schmitz does, Deontay Banks. I want to see what I liked about Banks in the spring was even though there was no contact, he did such a good job tracking the ball and Mm -hmm. staying with the receiver. That was very encouraging to see. Yeah, I'm excited about all those guys. Uh, And long term, they're they're super important. I think Deontay Banks and JMS are like so important to the future of this team, obviously. Um, But the guy that I'm most excited about in terms of the newcomers Probably Waller, but I'm going to give you another answer that you didn't say. Bobby O'Karake. Our linebacker, Bobby O'Karake, yep. Our, our linebacking core was so bad last year, and I watched this guy, his highlights, 
and, and me and I'm I don't know. I maybe I don't know what an elite linebacker is because our linebackers have been so bad. But when I watch him, he is so much better than what we've had. Antonio Pierce, just remember that. Yeah, similar to him, he's got the same number, right? So uh, I'm I'm really excited to see Bobby Okereke in a Giants uniform and what what he could bring to this linebacking core. By the way, Bobby Okereke is going to be one is one of the players I've requested for a sit down. So. Um, my subtexters will get an opportunity to send in questions for, for it, that I'll probably be able to pose there, but um, I'm hoping to have him on the pod, um, the, the, the training camp interview. Cause he's got, he's got a really interesting story that, that uh, I, I happened to come across when I was researching and getting my stuff together. So uh, he's somebody I hope to talk to. Yeah, for me, I mean, I, I it's tough. I mean, I, I really like what we did in the draft. I'm kind of – I'm interested to see what all of them do, uh, honestly. Um, Jalen Hyatt just – like I said, I, I don't remember the last – I mean, Beckham was – not comparing Jalen Hyatt to Beckham. Just Beckham was an explosive guy, but he was a, he was a 4-4 guy. I mean, he was fast enough to, if he got by you that you weren't going to catch him. Kind of like Victor Cruz. Victor Cruz wasn't incredibly fast, but if he got by you, he was hard to get from behind. But Jalen Hyatt just – Poses a threat that I don't I don't ever remember the Giants really having, which is just an absolute guy with blazing speed. Um, another guy, though, I'm, I'm interested to see is Eric Gray. Being a Sooner fan, I just Eric Gray, I felt like was an absolute steal in the fifth round. He had a really good year, and he is definitely a complimentary back of Saquon. Eric Gray is a guy that will get caught from behind. He is not a blazing fast guy. He's a little bit more elusive in the open field than people would give him credit for, but he is a downhill runner. He is a guy you want to take some – again, man, I don't know what the Giants, what's going on with Saquon Barkley, but there's no question in my mind the Giants could easily hurt him too because it is market value because when they get inside the five, they could say, well, we're not going to give you the pounding. We're going to give it to the rookie because he's mm-hmm. bigger. He, he runs downhill more than Barkley does. He's a powerful runner. That That might be – Eric Gray, you know, what he does, he might be the guy inside the three-yard line. He might be the guy on third and one, third and two. So I, I think that Eric Gray could have an integral role, especially in those short downs or in that red zone area inside the five, inside the ten. So it'll be interesting to see how they use him. Um, and, again, being a Sooner guy, I, I'm I'm actually usually the Giants don't draft, which is why I loved Sterling Shepard right away. I was so happy when they got Sterling Shepard. It just sucks that Chip could never stay healthy. But um, – yeah, I mean, I'm I'm interested to see how all the rookies do because I felt like we had a, the first four picks were fantastic. I don't know much about the other guys that we took, but I thought the felt like the first four were awesome. And right, right. I'm excited to see what they what they do, and of course, who isn't excited about Darren Waller? Yeah, I, yeah, definitely. The threat of tight end. We haven't had that since what Martellus Bennett, where, yeah. where we had a, like an actual threat. I mean, Evan Ingram had a great great Jacksonville, but he was a threat to both teams. <laughs> If he goes, we throw it, he'd be wide open. He'd take the ball up in the air, get intercepted. Um, mm. no, I think Waller is more of a complete well, tight end. Waller is what we hoped Evan Ingram was going to become. Right. That's what, that's what Waller is, in my opinion. And that is what Evan Ingram has become. Yeah. Just for us, unfortunately. Yeah. 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 And, and that goes along with a question somebody asked about how the running backs will play out. I think it's going to be a committee approach. You know, maybe, you know, Brita is the de facto starter, would take one out. 
Um, Eric Gray might be the third down blocker. I mean, I, I, I that's still to be determined. So I know that that was a question I saw pop up by a couple of people on the chat here. So um, I'm glad, you know, we were able to tie that in. All right. Um, less 3D. What player do you think will be the biggest surprise? Ooh, that's a tough one. Ooh, got to think about that for a second. Um, biggest surprise. I guess if you're talking in terms of breakout, I'm going to go. I'm, I'm going to, you know what? I'll throw caution to the wind here and just say Evan Neal. I think he's going to be much more improved. That's a good I one. Gonna, I agree with you on that. I think he will I, be. I, I'm going to go with Evan Neal. I, I think, you know. I like it. Like they it. need him to be improved. I know he's been working his tail off. Um, I, I'll say him. I'll say on the defensive side, Cordell Flott is the guy I think who's going to. That was that him. was the guy I was going to say. Probably. Yeah, I think Flott. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with an unsexy name. You know, like everybody's. I would say Paris Campbell, but that's like the easy one. Everybody's saying that's that. the easy one. You got to think outside I, the box. I'm going to go with a veteran. I'm going to go with a veteran that I think a lot of people are forgetting about. How good of a football player this is, he is. And with the improvements on the defense, I think he could thrive, especially with the added depth on the D-line. I think Leonard Williams is going to have a big year this year for the New Bounce Year. Bounce back year, yep. Bounce back and year, gonna, big deal. I'm gonna and go they're going to reduce his snap count. Yeah. Because the last two years, he and Dexter, ate over 80% of the snaps, who does that on the defensive yeah. line? Yeah. I mean, Dexter is, what, 25 years old, and they had to give him a, a, a veteran rest day? That just that tells you how much they had to rely on him because they didn't have depth behind him. So yeah, I I agree with you. He played with an injured neck about the second half of the season on top of it. Flot on defense for me, I think Flot could take a big step forward. I I, I really do. I, I felt like he was pretty good in situations for us last year, and I think with a year under his belt, I think he's going to have a more integral role in the defense this year. I I do think that he could have. I don't know if it's a breakout year, but. I think you'll notice Cordell Flott's play on, on the field. And offensively, yeah, I'm going to be biased. I'm going to say Eric Gray. I, I think Eric Gray is going to have a lot of big moments for the Giants. I really do believe that the Giants could utilize him. I think he could be the touchdown stealer. I, I honestly do. Because, listen, man, I'm not saying the Giants should do this intentionally to screw Saquon Barkley's market value because touchdowns obviously matter to a running back. I, I think one of the biggest knocks – on Tiki Barber is, oh, he only had 51 rushing, 55 rushing touchdowns. The, the, the hell with the fact that the guy had 10,500 yards in seven years and had 3,500 yards the last two years rushing, led the league in yards from scrimmage uh, in 2005, and had over 2,000 yards from scrimmage. I don't know how many times. He had over 5,000. Put Tiki Barber in the Hall of Fame. Okay. Yeah. I, I, Tiki's done. But and I'm why is he going in, so why not? I'm going to throw a name I, I should have said, by the way, Kayvon Thibodeau. I, I, I think Kayvon Thibodeau this year is going to, like last year we saw glimpses. This year I think you're going to see him do it almost every week. Like I think he's going to be a monster. Will he be better year. than Micah Parsons this year? I hope so. But uh, you know, get to that level. You know, yeah, I'll, give you, I'll give you another sneaky, sneaky uh, good candidate who could have a huge year, Bellinger. I like it. Oh, Everybody's talking about Waller, rightfully so, but don't sleep on Bellinger. Yeah, doesn't the backup tight end gets a lot of them touchdowns and when they do the little, you know, third and short and they play action pass. 
and you're thinking Waller, and then there's you know, and Bellinger was very good inside the red zone for us. And if he year. hadn't gotten hurt with the, yeah, I like the way he was playing last year, and that was a freak injury. And I like the versatility. I mean, you know, I think it was mentioned he he can take some fullback snaps, be and that back now. So if there's a fight, Bellinger's yeah. got this. No, I'm yeah, not gonna, I, I'm, I know you're impressed with being a workout warrior. I know you're yeah, impressed. Uh, Bellinger was in the gym with me this offseason. We were hitting the Iron Paradise, so I got a, I taught him a few things that I know. Got <laughs> guy's a beast. Guy's a beast. Oh my goodness! Yeah, he looks like a beast, and uh, you know, I, I'm like, I'm reluctant to shake his hand because I think he might crush mine. You know, and I'm like, you know, I don't want my hand crushed. I need my hands to write, obviously. Uh, okay, let's see. We have oh, this is a good one. This is from Deron Osman. Uh, does with one, best, with one of the best icons, by the way, that's Lawrence Taylor from Techno Super Bowl. Yeah. Yes, yes, which is the greatest football game of all time. The hell of Madden. Yes. Yeah, no question. Okay. Does Kayvon have a old guy? Old people people on the screen. All right. Does Kayvon have a 2011 JPP level performance jump prediction? KT will block a field goal. All right. I don't know about that. But does he take a JPP level performance jump? I think so. JPP should have won, could have won defensive player of the year a second year. He had like 17 sacks, was one of the three most important players on that Super Bowl team. So I don't want to set those kind of expectations, but I think he's going to have a performance jump. He's going to have a big jump. I I, I think Kayvon is, especially with the improvements around him, you figure he bulked up more, he's more experienced in the NFL. I would be surprised if he doesn't at least get nine or ten sacks. I think he's going to. I was going to say, do you see double double digit sacks this year? I'm leaning he will have double digit sacks, but I'm not. I'm not going to say JPP like jump. That's that's okay. So you you don't think in year two, maybe year three, maybe you could see that for him, but double digit sacks for sure. I think he's. I think he could do that. Yes. Yes, and 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 I'll tell you, if Aziz can stay on the field and get double digit sacks, we barely saw those. I mean, last year, what, what? What? I mean, the outside linebackers, if I'm not mistaken, they combined for 13 and a half sacks. Compare that to what the Eagles. One guy on the Eagles did. I think Hassan Reddick had what yeah. 17 or something. Oh, well, we had a chance to sign. I don't know how many times and get him and just said, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's, he's from Jersey. I mean. What, what are we doing there? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm expecting big things for Thibodeau. I, I, I just, I like the kid's attitude. Spoiler alert. He's another one I've, I've requested um, for a sit down. So uh, nice. I, I, I went for, I have some, if they come to fruition, I've got some really good stuff planned that I hopefully will be able to put here on the podcast. I, I think a lot of you guys will like uh, what I'm, what I'm cooking up. Got my little notebook all filled up with ideas and questions and concepts and all kinds of little things. So you'll want to make sure you follow along, not only here, but also on Giants Country. So, um, all right, let me see if we have any other questions. Again, if you asked a question and we didn't get to it, pop it back in the box because we're getting a lot of stuff and I'm trying to keep up with it on the side here. Um, I even put my glasses on so I can see them. And uh, we'll go ahead and we'll make sure um, we get them answered before we wrap it up. Um, I'm just looking to see if we have anything else. Yeah, I, I, I know I, somebody I, asked, somebody did ask um, what would be the biggest disappointment for this giant team. You know, I, I didn't, I don't remember who asked it, but what, let me put it to you guys. What would really disappoint you this year? Would it be the number of wins? Would it be a performance? What do you think is, is just going to make you go, geez, that didn't go the way I thought? 
Yeah. Barkley holding out the season. Be, that'd be the biggest disappointment to me. I, I don't think I, that's going to happen. I'll say this. For me, I mean, every year it's about you want to win the Super Bowl as a fan. But realistically speaking, for me, what, what, what shows me growth this year as a team is getting closer in the division, not even necessarily beating the Eagles, but getting closer, not getting walloped. If they don't show if they don't show that they're closing the gap at least on the Cowboys and the and the Eagles to a certain extent, that would be disappointing for me. Like if the Cowboys just completely mull us at the line of scrimmage like they did last year, Jones is pressured 25 times week one like he was when he, we played the Cowboys week two last year. That would be my biggest disappointment because I do think we've started to close the gap on the Cowboys in particular. So I'll say that. I'll say that. Uh, yeah, I'm going to tell you what I hope to see because, look, progress is never linear. Yeah. But what I want to see and what I will consider a, a significant improvement, winning more games in the division. Yeah. That's where it starts for me. Absolutely. There's going to be games that, you know, do I think they're going to beat the 49ers right now? Probably not. No. You know, what do I think is going to happen? You know, will, will they – Beat the Eagles twice. I don't think so. I just but take. I want to see them. Ideally, I want to see them sweep Washington. Yeah. I'd like to see them sweep Dallas. I don't think that's totally out of the question, but I have a feeling, you know, it's probably more risk realistic to expect them to split. Yeah. And I'd like to see them split against the Eagles and finish I'm with a win. I'm happy if they finish three and three in the division. However, they do it. I think I think we have a really I would be happy with that because they yeah. haven't done well winning in the division and that's where it starts. Yeah. For so, me, you know, you know, the other stuff is is great and they're going to need the other wins obviously, so don't get me wrong, but it's got to start in the division. Yeah. Cuz this is a tough division. This is where the litmus test is, I think for this Giants team and if they can't stand toe to toe with their division opponents, then we better rethink this whole situation. And that's, and that's what this offseason was about. When you look at it, like, where do we need to improve to get better from within the division? It was in the interior defensive line, stopping the run, getting pressure up the middle, and being able to block, right? Because we got manhandled in the trenches both times we played the Cowboys. And I'm not going to count the last week of the season because it was the backups, but both times we played the Eagles, the first game in the regular season and the playoff game. So to me yeah. – yeah, that's what you want to see. You want to see growth in the trenches, and I think we will. I think we will see that. We're still not as good as the Eagles in that department. Uh, yeah. Are we more comparable with the Cowboys? I think we are. I do. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see the growth on the line against those two teams. Yeah, for sure. All right. Definitely, definitely got to win games in the division. I mean, last year I, I think was a surprise to many that we were able to, you know, get into the postseason, be a winning team. I thought we'd be better than we were the year before. But I didn't think we'd be 9-7-1 get to the postseason and win uh, a postseason game. But I think and the Giants – one, four and one in the division, right? Am I yeah. correct? So you have to – you have to start winning division games. I think that is the next step for this team is beating the Cowboys, is beating the Eagles. you, you got to find a way – if not even beating the Eagles, you got to compete with the Eagles. So, okay, because I don't think we close it. They feel like I, I hate it. I throw up in my mouth every time I have to combat that team. But they're they're good. I mean, you don't win the NFC Championship. Well, they kind of did win it by a fluke, didn't they? I mean, who is San Francisco? I'm not even going to give them credit. They're not as good as San Francisco when we play them too. But still, they're a lot better than we are. Yeah. But Dallas, I think that we could beat Dallas. I I just I do. So I feel like we played them tough both games. And then the game again on Thanksgiving, we were up in that game at halftime. And this is with a short week in 
everybody was hurt. Everybody was hurt that week. Like we had nobody that week. That was the, wasn't that the week Barkley came off to, or was that, that was a short week, right? That was the game. Wasn't that the game right after Houston or was that before the, the bye? Or yeah, the, I think so. Or was it Seattle game? When the hell did we? Seattle was before the bye. Okay. I, I think Houston was the first game coming out of the bye. And then we played Dallas, right? I, so, think I just so. it was a short, I think it was a short week. Mark, it was a short there. week. And everybody, like, we had the Lions, maybe. Because Gary Jackson got hurt. Oh, the Lions. Yeah, the Lions were in there, too, weren't they? Yeah, they were in that mix. Yeah. But that, that Cowboy game, like, everybody was hurt. And we were up 13-6 to six at halftime in that game. So, um, I, I just we, – we have to find a way to be – we got to be Dallas. We have to be better in this division. We have to be at least 500. We have to be 500 in this division this year. You, you got to go 1-4-1 one, one, to 3-3. Three and three. I've, I've I seen, like – I'm just going to throw it out there because I've seen like eight people ask, what are my expectations for Daniel Jones? My expectations for Daniel Jones is by the end of the year, not just Giants fans, NFL fans are going to say he's a top 10 quarterback. That's my expectation for Daniel Jones. I I think he is going to be much more respected by year's end. Uh, When when he gets another year with Brian Dable, with more help in this offense, I'm not going to put a statistical threshold on it. Uh, you know, yeah. stats are so inconclusive in terms of the performance of a player because anybody that watched Daniel Jones last year would tell you he was so much better than his rookie year. But if you just look at the stats, you would say, well, had he played 16 games his rookie season, he would have thrown 30 touchdowns. But he wasn't near the quarterback. So stats are completely misleading. So I'm not going to put a statistical threshold on it. But what yeah. I will tell you is at year's end, Daniel Jones is going to be getting a lot more respect throughout the NFL. I think he's going to have a very – Good year for the New York Giants. Yes, my my favorite line. There's two things: statistics tell half the story, and statistics are for fantasy football and losers. When you win games, nobody really cares about player stats because the win is the most important thing. But when a player loses, you're like, "Well, look at the stats. Look at the stats." Listen, fantasy football is the is the main cog. It's the driving force in NFL ratings, and there's no question about it. Because I'll sit there and. Oh, New Orleans is playing Carolina on a Thursday. Do I give a damn about the Saints and the Panthers playing? No. What I give a damn about is what is Chris Olave going to get my fantasy team? So I watch it. So I don't – again, Daniel Jones to me, what I expect is, like Chris said, maybe not everybody's calling him a top-ten quarterback, but he's going to get a lot more respect around the league and from these analysts that say Barkley is the driving force and it's not Daniel Jones and they overpay Daniel Jones. By years end, I don't want. I don't think you're going to hear people say Daniel Jones got overpaid, and I think you're going to see Daniel Jones be a much more aggressive quarterback. Remember, the play calling was limited, and it's not because some people say, "Well, that's because they had no trust in Daniel Jones." There's part of that they had to both had to learn to trust one another. But again, what in the hell was he throwing to last year? Who was he throwing to? Yeah. Nobody. There was a million guys that came in and out of there. So many injuries. All over the place. He played games without Evan Neal for a while. You know, the wide receiver court, Diana Bellinger. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. Now you got guys with a lot of speed. You know, you, you got a guy like Darren Waller. You got a center in the draft. And it's a second year under the system. And they're going to have – they're going to let Daniel Jones have more leeway. And I think they're going to be more aggressive in their play call. Are they going to be Kansas City? No. You know, are they going to put up 30 points a game? No. But – I think they're going to put up a lot more than 22 points a game, whatever they put up last year. I think they could be in the middle of the pack as far as scoring points this year 
that's kind of my expectation for Daniel Jones. Yeah, and, and I've seen a lot of people in the chat. I've said this too. It's completely different sports. I've said it on Twitter several times. I am. I think when by the end of the year, not that you know, Patty. I don't know how big of a basketball fan you are, but I think the Jalen Brunson signing when the Knicks made it was widely criticized around the league because the Knicks made the signing based off what they projected him to be, not what he had been. They saw a player that kind of wasn't getting the opportunity in Dallas with Luka Doncic, and the Knicks gave him top-tier money at the point guard position, and then he was an MVP caliber player last year with the New York Knicks. I think it's going to be a very similar thing with Daniel Jones. I think the Giants paid Daniel Jones of what they project him to be, not what he's been. And in my opinion, a lot of times that's the better way to spend your money uh, rather than paying a guy for what he's been. What is he going to be, right? Because that's where you're going to get your money's worth. I think they're projecting him to take a big leap this year, and I think he's going to. I think they also don't – it's not just that they have confidence that Daniel Jones will take that step. They have confidence in themselves as coaches to make him that quarterback because what he was before they got there was a quarterback under Joe Judge, Pat Shermer, with Dave Gettleman, you know, making the meals in the kitchen, okay? So – or giving the recipes and missing a few ingredients or whatever, whatever you want to say. I don't know what that analogy is. I should know that some Italian. I like to cook. I should know the analogy, but I don't. But what he did in the past is no uh, – you can't predict what he's going to do in the future. Those numbers are just – that's all statistics are. They're just, it's just what happened. But you can't guarantee that, yeah, guys get a track record. But I don't think Daniel Jones is really – listen, John Mara himself said they did everything they could to screw this kid up. That came right from the guy that owns the team. So I think with that admission, he said, we're changing things around. We're going to bring in these two 21st century guys. We're going to bring in a 21st century analytical front office. And we're going to let these guys do their thing. And we saw Daniel Jones. I don't care what anybody says about his statistics. If anybody is being the biggest Daniel Jones hater, if you're being honest with yourselves, there's no way you can say he did not take a gigantic step forward from his first four years in the league. To what he did last year. Sure. And he should take another step forward this year. If he doesn't, then I'll be disappointing. But I think he will. I think he's got enough experience. Confidence goes a long way. He he led us to what four game winning touchdown drives, game tying touchdown drive against Minnesota before we, we lost in a 61 yard field goal. He's gonna be a lot better. And I'm excited to see it. By the way, guys, just not to create a panic here, but somebody mentioned this in the in the chat here. Saquon has removed reference to the Giants from his social media accounts. So take that for what it's worth. And they'll be back. He'll be back. He'll be, it'll be back. I, I think so. But I'm looking at this, this his, his, his Instagram account here. I looked at his Twitter accounts, and he has – I don't want to say he's totally scrubbed the Giants from it because I do see pictures from the Giants, but he he's made some changes to his, you know, that that to me, again, emotions are still raw, I think, on, on Saquon's uh, on Saquon's part. And I, I could see also just looking at his Twitter account, he's um, probably I think he's a little pissed off that his comments that he made on that podcast about, you know, F the Giants were taken out of context. So I could see that he's definitely uh, the video today because I wanted, I wanted to, again, I mean, I don't know how many people, I think I mentioned that maybe three minutes into the video. So who knows how many people got three minutes into the video. That was a lot of the point of my video was how things can be taken into context. And, and because like you said, Patty, that, that gets to clicks, that gets the headlines, but tell yeah, the whole story. 
Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm kind so, of, I'm kind of, you know, I hate to, I shouldn't say this, but I think that graphic was from Sports Illustrated, which is part of, you know, what Fan Nation is part of that. Folks, when I wrote it up for, for Fan Nation, for Giants Country, I put the entire context in there because it's so important. And I get it. Clickbait, all that stuff. I get it. I don't like it, but I could see where, you know, Saquon would be ticked off. Hopefully he doesn't hold that against me this season. I don't think he will, but, you know, who knows? Yeah, I've, I've had. I'll be honest. There's no reason for him to have the. It's just, it's all he can do right now. He's right. Taking- and, and technically he's not under contract, so he's not with a team. So, right. you know, I, I don't know that I would get, you know, I don't think I would get too concerned about like it. Like that, going into the game against Dallas, then maybe have a little concern. I, I look. I, I've said it before. I think Saquon right now, his his ego is bruised. His feelings are hurt. I get that. He's disappointed. You know, I totally get it. But just you know, that's why I think him staying away for the next several weeks. I think that's going to help. You know, they say time heals all wounds. But the more I think about it, the more I'm wondering if he doesn't sign that tag with like two or three days to go before the Dallas game. And now, oh, you're not going to be ready, so you can't play. That's what I think will happen with him. Mm-hmm. So I, I hope not, because I don't. You know, I'm rooting. For him. I think that's that's. What's I going think to it's. Happen. I think it's going to be bad if he does that. But I. But you I, know what? You know like, what? Like, I'm, I'm going to tell you what, and it's not. It and beats I faking an injury, though. Yeah. It beats I, I, faking I, an injury. I understand where he's coming from. Like I said, I sympathize with Barkley. I do think he got a raw deal. I don't blame the Giants for it, though. They used their leverage. Um, He's going to be villainized. If if, if he if he does not play in that Dallas game and he holds out, whether you know, and I I will understand it. But if the Giants get lose that game and Giants and fans feel they would have won that game had Barkley played, it's going to get ugly. It is going to get ugly fast. And And on the flip side, on the flip side, if they win the game, yeah. Then, yeah. then Barkley, you know, the, the the gamble didn't pay off. Yeah. But, you know, that's something to keep an eye on is when that tag gets signed. Because it will get signed. I firmly believe that. I don't think Saquon is going to take the route of faking injuries. Because that's just, that's just you know, beneath. that. That's dishonest. Yeah. But signing the tag, he has control over that. And that's the best way if he, if he want to really make a point about, you know, how valuable you think you are. Well, Barkley's a high character guy. So I think so too. I don't think he would feign injury at all. No. But it like I said, it it will not surprise me if he signs the Friday before the game and doesn't play against Dallas. That's kind of what I'm expecting. If he plays against Dallas, that'd be great. Even if it is just eight to ten carries. I'm just not expecting him to be there uh week one. But whenever he does sign this tag, because I you're not doing. Listen, I don't care how. <laughs> listen, I don't care how bad your feelings are. Ten million bucks is going to make anybody feel a little bit better, I would imagine. But what you're doing, it's an audition for the future. I mean, you go in there. People know you're disgruntled, but you go in there and give it your all, and you say, "I, I put this aside. I'm a football player, man, and I, I'm going to do what I love to do, money aside." And even though I don't like what this team did to me, I'm going to give it my all for them. That That's really going to speak to every other team in the league. Hey, listen, this guy not only is he's, you know, explosive guy, one of the best talents in the league. Now look at what he did. He did. It could help him. It, it, he All he's going to do is hurt himself 
if he sits this season out. There's no question about that. Or if he feigns injury, if he's just a pro, I, I can't see that happening. He's not feigning injuries. Right. Or like being a distraction. Like yeah. I can't see him. Well, this is the one problem though. I can't see him being a distraction because it's not the way he is. But I can see the media, no offense, Patty. No, if done the take media is tough. And I can see after every game, them grilling him about something. I, 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 I mean, we have short memories as fans. Last year, Barker was a joy to watch in the press conferences. The year before, when things were, he was, he was as depressed as I've ever seen a player uh, yeah. during, during those interviews. So I could see this could be a really interesting season. With I mean, for him, yeah, I could see it be mentally, it could wear on him a lot. Yeah. And he might have to just not talk to the media. I, I don't know. It, it's again, gut feeling 98% sure he's going to play for the Giants in 2022. Oh, absolutely. But yeah. week one is. Yeah, won't be, I don't think he's going to be there. You know, I, I thought he would be, but the more I think about it, the more, you know, because I, I think back to when Strahan was, do you remember in 2007 how Strahan was, oh, I might retire. Of course, because you know son uh came back into camp, I want to say two days before. Or, or he, played, he played in game one. He did play, but, but you know, it's it's almost like the same situation, though. I, again, with Barkley, if he really wants to make a point, oh, I'm not signing that tag until Friday night after the week of practice is done and the game yeah. plan is put in place. Uh, listen. I would not blame him because you know why, Patty? That's the only leverage Saquon Barkley has. That's it. That is his. And that it is could backfire, his. bad dog. Because what if Gray goes out there and looks really good, and the Giants win? <laughs> it's yeah. But like it, I said, yeah, they're all in eight. With Barkley in the lineup against Barkley Dallas. Be in there. So you know, it would be great. That'd be great for us if that happened because then people could say, "Well, <laughs> there you." Then be then Joe Shane and Brandon they'd be vindicated. Well, that's exactly why they didn't give him that long term deal. So that'd be best case scenario for us. Even if Eric Gray went out there and had 123 yards and two touchdowns and a Giants won, he would not be taking Saquon Barkley's spot. No, if, no. Yeah. But it would be great for them. It'd be that'd be bad for Barkley. That's yeah. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I, yeah. I don't. I don't think that'd happen. Though. I yeah, I. I, I, I hope it doesn't come to that, but. That's certainly a something that you've got to put in the back of, of your mind there. But that's um, his. That is Bar. That's Barkley's only leverage. He has no other right. leverage. Exactly. Do. Unless the Giants maybe say, "Okay, we'll give you a little bit more than the ten point one million, and we promise not to tag you next year." That I could see being, you know, maybe but, that. Yeah, but to be honest with you, Patty, but to be I don't honest, think the Giants will do that because they want to see what do they have now in camp to make any concessions now. The, the, the Giants aren't going to do that. Shane's not stupid enough to do that. Right. You know, so, uh, and also it, it it will help Barkley if, you know, God forbid there are injuries at the running back position, but, you know, we've got to see how it kind of plays out. There's a lot of uncertainty. That's why I just don't see this getting resolved anytime soon. And I want to answer this question from, from Davey anonymous anonymous um, regarding, cause it's a cap situation, uh, cap question. And that is, um, if Barkley doesn't sign, do the Giants get ten million back on the cap? If Barkley does not sign for for the regular season and sits out the entire season, that money does get credited back, I believe. 
I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it does. So, um, you know, right now they're not getting it back. Obviously it's, it's coming out of the cap. I'll double check on that, Davey, but I'm pretty sure the money does come back because it, it, it now becomes an unsigned contract. And even if Barkley holds out to like week 10, which I think is the last week he can conceivably sign and play for 2023, the Giants would still get 10 weeks worth of prorated amount or prorated credit back on their cap. So, there, you know, that would be helping the Giants out. That's why I don't think Barkley will do that. I think if it, to more, the more I think about it, the, it makes sense if he's going to play, you know, if he's going to play hardball, sign the tag like on the Friday or Saturday before the Dallas game. And now you you know that you're not going to be ready to play and, and you're forcing the team's hand to just not play it. <clears throat> so that's how I see it playing now. This is why I wanted them to get a deal done that made sense for both sides. But I I think we all wanted it done. And and you know what? There was a period of time when I was optimistic it would get done, but I don't know where it broke down. I really don't. I you know, what were his agents telling him? Yeah. You know, I, I said right all along, Barkley sees himself in one light and the Giants see him in another light. And that's where I think there was some disconnect there. That also in the fact that he was advised to turn down two pretty decent offers from what I understand. And now, you know, the, the, the one I think that was presented to him before um, training, uh, not training camp, but a free agency was as high as 14 mil. And now you just cost yourself about four, uh, four mil or so. So I think his, you know, I I don't want to be overly critical of, of his agent, but I think she, misread it should be i think i think she i think she misread it and i think she probably thought that the giants you know oh you know this is it's like with anything with with negotiations like if i'm negotiating with you chris and i say okay chris i want to hire you but i'm only going to give you five dollars an hour and you want say ten dollars an hour and i say chris you know, and, and in my mind, I say, okay, the highest I can go is seven dollars an hour. Five dollars an hour. What is this? Nineteen sixty. I'm just oh. using. I'm just using this to make You're worth more than five dollars an hour, as far as I'm concerned. I'm messing with I'm, you. I'm, I'm just saying. The point is, is you know, if I have a, a a hard bun in the sand, and I say, okay, I cannot under any circumstances go over seven dollars an hour, and you say, well, Pat, I want nine dollars an hour. Guess what? The negotiations are going to break down, and we're not yeah. going to have a deal. So I think that's what happened with Shane. I think he 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 drew a line in the sand. He doesn't want to because look, that's how the Giants got into cap hell to begin with by outbidding and overbidding and bidding against themselves. And with the franchise tag on Barkley, they were technically bidding against themselves. If you think about it, it at the end of the day, in my opinion, where Barkley, Bar- it's not his fault. But the reason Barkley didn't get his big contract, running backs, when you look at it, the elite running backs, they get paid after their third year. Christian McCaffrey got paid after his third year. Alvin Kamara got paid after his third year because that's when running backs are more valuable. They're 24. They're 25. They're three three or four years away from that proverbial cliff at 28, 29 years old when running backs fall off. Barkley lost his opportunity to strike it rich when he got hurt and he tore his ACL. Had he never tore his ACL, he would have gotten that McCaffrey contract after his third year. I agree. That's just the way of the world. Uh, it didn't break his way. But for his agent not to anticipate when the Giants had that as an option, like he would have so much more power after year three because they can't tag you. 
He can threaten to hold out. He's got value, kind of like Zeke did. You can't do it then. But when the Giants had the tag in their back pocket, for his agent not to anticipate that? Are you kidding me? If he was offered $14 million a year and 23, 24 guaranteed, we don't know if that's the case. For him to turn that down before free agency started, knowing that the Giants had to sign Daniel Jones, a horrible job by his agent. Awful. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think and, – and that's – look, you know, somebody put in in the chat, they said, at the end of the day, doesn't Barkley have final say? Absolutely. And he did tell his agents, get it done. Just get the deal done. Yeah. And he said that in that interview with, with uh, the Money Matters podcast. Yeah. But we don't know what they were telling him, you know, how involved actually was Barkley in the negotiations. To me, it sounded like he wasn't as hands-on as he could have been. And, you know, that's why, you you know, some people say, well, that's why I pay an agent. You got to be a little bit more proactive. Daniel was the agent agent gets a cut of that too. So maybe the agent. Yeah, but not, but not that much dog. I think the max is 3%. Did they cap it? They got more than that. No, 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 no. They capped it. There's a rule in the NFL uh, CBA. Okay. They just only get up to 3%. And if there's multiple agents involved, that's what, as was the case here, they would have had to split that 50-50. Gotcha. So. Listen, I work for the state, so I've dealt with union crap. And I always say, listen, when you're in a union, you're always going to get something, but your employer is always going to take more. That's sure. the way the employee always gets the shaft. But that's what you're in a union in football, and that's kind of what happens. The player doesn't always get with it because at the end of the day, like I said, if I don't like our contract, well, I can be replaced. Right. I mean, I'm not a football player, but I'm just saying, Barkley, you may not be able to replace Barkley with somebody as good as Barkley, but he's going to be replaced. It's right. And you can put him back there. He's expendable. You're not going to, you're not going to lose your whole team because Barkley's not there. The Giants aren't going to fold him up. You know, it was a nice run guys, but we have to, after nine, you know, almost a hundred years of football, we have to shut it down because Barkley, didn't come back here. And so. by the by the way, I see this in the group chat. Everybody's saying, "Oh my God, Andrew Thomas is rep by Barkley's agent. He's not. Barkley's rep by Kim Mignoli of Rock Nation. Wait a minute, Andrew Thomas. Joe Shane's going to throw the checkbook at him. Yeah, but but wait a minute, just to clarify this, guys, because I looked this up. Andrew Thomas is rep by John Thornton of Rock Nation. Yeah. Same agency, different individual. John Thornton, for those who don't remember, former NFL player. Yeah. So little different situation there. I think Aziz, if I'm not mistaken, I, and I'd have to double check this. I think Aziz is also rep by Rock Nation, but I'm pretty sure Miali's not his agent. So just if I'm you know, not mistaken, just, doesn't I remember reading like Miali specializes in running backs, right? Running back, she's and and she's had. Um, did she have Fournette and and Gurley? I can't yeah, remember. Yeah. Which she tells, that, right? tells you she's not a very good agent because the running back market's plummeting. So maybe she should pick a different position to specialize. In. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, but um, yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I just wish it worked out better because I love Saquon, but it is yeah. what it is. Live and learn. But, but, it, but the bottom line at the end of the day is the players got to take a little bit more of an active role in it. I know Daniel did. I had heard Daniel was a little bit more active in his. I know Dexter was a little bit more active in it. Yeah. Um, I don't know how involved um, Saquon was um, reading between the lines, and I don't want to be unfair to him, 
I don't know if he was as involved, you know, because a lot of times it's like, oh, my agent's handling it. My agent's handling it. Dude, you know, this is your financial future, too. you got to get involved. Yeah. You know, I, and again, I don't know how much. I, so I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, flame him. I don't want to be unfair to him, but you got to get involved. I mean, would you, Chris, I mean, even if it was a family friend or somebody you knew forever, wouldn't you want to be involved? Oh, yeah. If, if you came to me. Dog, wouldn't you, you want to be involved? If you, you know? came to me and you offered me $5 an hour and my agent said, yeah, I, w- I would get involved. Okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> no. I wouldn't offer you $5 oh, yes, an hour. I think you're worth a heck of a lot but, more. But, um, <laughs> no, but no. Yeah. I think, I think, I mean, I don't know. I don't know all the specifics. I don't want to paint Saquon in a bad light. Um, he was probably trying to stay loyal to his agent, but yeah, I mean, Daniel Jones was proactive and Saquon never fired her, by the way. I saw people in the chat saying that she was replaced. Yeah. You know what? He, he didn't, but he, here's the thing guys. They, he, he went outside of rock nation and brought in his marketing guys. That's not done very often. I can't, matter yeah. fact, I can't think of an instance where a player did that, had two different agencies repping him in contract. So I don't know. Did he maybe do that to save face so as not to embarrass Kim and Rock Nation? It's a possibility. Did he feel that, okay, maybe, you know, this guy, Ed, I think his name is Ed Perry. Maybe he could, you know, bring a different perspective in. I mean, the Giants weren't starting from scratch with the negotiations. They basically were like, okay, we're not going to, just because you brought in a new rep doesn't mean we're going to start all over again. So I I wonder, and, and, you know, we'll probably never know. Only Saquon will know for sure. But to me, that's pretty telling when you go outside the agency and say, oh, I'm going to bring in somebody else to see if maybe we can push this to the finish line. Yeah. Jones made the change, and, and they got it done probably because of that. But hey, it is what it is. It's water under the bridge. I just hope he plays. I, I hope. I, hope, I, hope so it is. I mean, I just hope for Saquon's sake that – he finds peace in the situation right now. Again, the feelings are raw. I get it. He's going to take some time away from the team, continue to working out. But I do think at some point he's going to be there when it counts. Week one, will it be? That's going to be one of the big question marks heading into training camp. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Yeah, we'll see. So, all right, guys and gals. We've gone just almost three hours, which I think is a new world record for yeah. the show. But, you know, there was well, just we had so a lot of catching up to do. We had a lot of catching yeah. up to do. We had a lot of catching up to do, and it was great. By the way, Pandog, are you free tomorrow night? We'll do the show? Yeah, yes. Yeah, We're gonna do that. I, don't know, I don't even know whose channel it's on, Nick. Too. Yeah. I don't remember. Is it mine or yours? I don't even remember. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. But we're going to be live tomorrow. Bad Dog and me, come on by, hang out with us too. But we, had, I yeah. had an absolute blast coming on here tonight. Absolutely. We always have – it was so good to get the band back together. And hopefully we'll be able to do, you know, now the training camp is kicking in. We can do, you know, n- n- maybe not every week during the summer, but certainly, you know, check in. And, yeah, and I know, Doug, you'll probably be at science football content again. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, Doug, I know you'll probably be at some practices. I'm Tana, I know you, you're going to try. No, I, I live so far away from there. I, I won't be. I, I never go to the practices. I'm like three and a half hours. You got to come down, man. You got to come down. Maybe yeah. come down for, for a weekend or something, but yeah. Anyway, that would actually be fun to go down for a weekend. That's actually not a bad idea. Maybe maybe at some point we you know midway through the summer we we, we reconvene and then before because before you know it the season will be here and I'm sure there'll be a lot to talk about as we go through. So anyway, I want to thank you all for coming in. 
and spending the you know nearly three hours with us. I know it was a long show for some of you, but I see a lot of you who were here at the start of the show are still here. So thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to the Lock on Giants podcast tomorrow. Again, my special guest is Mark Lewinsky, offensive lineman. That show's dropping just after midnight. Check it out. You know, Mark's got a football camp, so we talked a little bit about that. But we spent most of the show talking about the old line, the year two. And, you know, I thought it was pretty good, um, a pretty good discussion. So check that out. And then next week, um, I've got, I think, one more uh, opposing team preview we have to do, and that's the Dolphins. That'll be on Monday. And then training camp, baby, reporting day. Tuesday. No media access. First media access is Wednesday. And as long as there's a practice, I'll, I'll, I'll bring you a show, even if it's just a quickie. So that, I, 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 I am very intrigued by that matchup this year, because you want to talk about getting tested on the secondary, what bad dog is most worried about. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. And that was, and, and that's, that's a point that, um, Alan, the, uh, Alan Pupar of, of uh, all dolphins brought up. Yeah, I said, I said, what's the biggest strength of this Dolphins team that you think might cause headaches for the Giants? And he said the the receivers versus the Giants secondary. When you, so. And when you look at our schedule this year, Patty, oh, my God. Like, you name a top 10 wide receiver, we play them. Devontae Adams, the mm-hmm. Eagles duo, Washington's got great wide receivers. Dallas has some good wide – like, uh, the 49ers, Debo and Ayuk. Like, we play the best wide receivers in the sport this year. So – Deontay Banks, he's gonna be thrown right into the fire. Yeah, don't sure. forget, don't forget, we got Terry McLaurin a couple times. CD Lamb, 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 right? AJ Brown, yeah, yeah. This is gonna be an interesting test for them for sure. But, but anyway, again, thank you all for coming in. Thanks to Tana and Dog. We'll do this again, hopefully in a, another couple weeks or so, midway through training camp. Giant fans, we will see you uh, here on the Lockdown Giants podcast tomorrow with the Mark Lewinsky. Uh, interview and don't forget Tana and Dog, they're doing a show tomorrow as well. So check them out and uh, enjoy. We'll talk to you again soon, everybody. Take care. Have a good night.